do this. The champ is here. Long time coming. 93 kilo world champion, Chance Mitchell. And first off, um, time to eat a little bit of motherfucking crow. And, and that's fine by me. I, I, did, <laughs> I, I did not pick you. And um, I knew you were a threat, obviously. Your numbers were fantastic. Uh, but fuck, man. Here we are, kid. I'm, I'm ready to eat my crow, man. You, this is what happens when you win. Winning solves all, all problems, all arguments, all everything. You show up and you fucking win, man. And that was a gigantic win. We got your handler here who was there that day. And, um, I, I, I also didn't pick him. And also, <laughs> and, and also last minute, I switched my best lifter prick from Taylor to Keiko because I was like, oh, Taylor, you know, he, ret he retweaked his groin. He's going to sandbag his numbers. Keiko will win it. And so my fantasy league tanked. I didn't even get the tiebreaker points yeah, on the best lifter. Tanked, son. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let me say something. Um, well, we're going to walk through all of this, the prep, the shit, like, I wouldn't say shit talking, but the, the, um, you know, you were the underdog and like Keiko was leading in Keiko was Keiko, but, um, everything, even the fucking day missing attempts and going up anyways and everything, man, it was fucking dramatic as shit. It was dramatic as shit. I know people are like, you could say like, well, he had it one after the second dead, but the dramaticness of like missing openers and coming back, but let's, let's back it up. Let's back it right the fuck up. Okay, mm -hmm. leading into this, you had won PA, or sorry, you had uh, made it onto the team for PA Nats. Um, let's talk about the fact that, like, after coming in second to PA Nats, and when you got the call and found out, Cupperstein said, give it to that young man. Uh, I'm going to focus on other things. Holy shit, what were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, because I think <clears throat> he... He didn't know the situation, you know, what what was going on, you know, where all the other people were and who qualified, who didn't. Um, and I, <clears throat> I know with the total that I had, it was up there. It was right up there with the over the world record total, you know, unofficially. Um, and then in the email, he actually sent me an email saying, hey, Chance, you know, I want to give you the spot. Um, I want, you know, this isn't for you to just go. This is for you to win. And he was like, you need to go win this. And I was like, you know, at the time I was like, hey, I super appreciate this offer and everything. It's a big, big deal to me that I'm finally getting this opportunity um, and I'm going to do my best. But even then I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to fucking win. It was not that at all. <laughs> but I, I was there and, you know, I worked my ass off after powerlifting and nationals, powerlifting American nationals to immediately go and train and get ready for it. I didn't take any time off. I grinded straight away. You, well, first off, hats off to Cupperstein, whom is a, in his 50s, a fucking veteran who's done so much. For him recognizing, being like, um, I've done so much, I've had my day. This young man could do something special. And if, you know, for me, it's going to be, you know, I'll be in top whatever the shit. He's not going to win medals, but it'll be a fun experience. But for him, recognizing this is more than a fun experience for this young man. This could change his life. And like, that's such a stand-up guy thing to do, to be like, I was unaware. Now that's come to my, you know, across my table and I see this, you know what? I'm going to have fun doing a lot of different things and I've had my time, but like you could win this. And he was like, you know, whatever a guy from like Cupperstein was a legend hats off to him. First off, I love the fact that when you didn't know, it's almost like, I don't know if you want to romanticize it, you can, but the fact that you were like, I'm going to fucking keep training because that call might come. Mm -hmm. And I've seen, we've seen in the 93s, L.S. McLean was a was an alternate, got the phone call, made the team, and fucking won. And he's done that twice. 
And, um, and I remember talking to you about this. We'd be talking to DMs. I'm like, dude, it can happen. It can happen. Um, so were you telling yourself like, I'm going to fucking train and it's, you know, what was your motivation for this? Like, if I get that call, I got to be ready. Yeah. I mean, this was a, a literal dream. Like I've had this dream of going to IPF worlds for years, like a very literal dream um, that I didn't know would ever really happen, you know, and the power of America switch over, um, you know, plenty of people ask me, what are you going to do? I obviously was going IPF route. Um, even if it was just to barely make the team to me, that was a giant win cross that off on my board, you know, for a lifetime goal to go to IPF worlds because of how difficult it is, especially in the 93 kilo class to even go. It's, it's a huge deal. Um, so, you know, for me, I did overly romanticize it, uh, but eventually, you know, came to, to pass. It's, um, yeah. sorry, go uh, ahead. I was dude. just, just going to say, not only was he training and preparing to go to worlds when he was an alternate, he DM me and said, Hey, I want you to be my handler. He, and, he, like, he, he didn't even know. <laughs> dude, he, I've said this, I think on Jordan's podcast, but I said in other ones, uh, when I was talking to Penna, when I'm talking, whatever, whoever I'm like, mm -hmm. chance is not that fucking dude who's going to get caught slipping chance is not that dude. Who's going to be like, like when he rolls in there, he knows words, body weights at how many calories he needs. Worst training is that he's going to be acclimatized. He's not going to be the guy making the post afterwards. Who's like, should have showed up a little earlier. You know, the recomp wasn't on point. The, the weight, you know, drop was, he's not that dude, man. You will not, he's not going to lose from lack of preparation. You, it's just not going to happen. You have to beat him on that day. And when it comes to handling, he's going he's gonna to get either Matt Gary or yourself, Aaron, someone who's handled at the world championship level, knows all the rules and is going to do it. Like he's, I knew, I, there was no fear in my heart that Chance is going to get caught like that. And talking to Joe Jordan, I'm like, look, at if Chance has got you and Chance is checking your P's and Q's B to make sure you're on point, you're on point. You know what I mean? Like you're going to be on point. Um, but fuck me, and uh, yeah, you were you were setting yourself up before you even know you were on the team, and once you made it, um, and you got that call, and you realized like this is this fuck this is gonna happen. You made a post, and I reshared it. You put it in your stories, and you talked about like you guys don't know, you guys have no fucking idea how long I've been waiting for this. And it was like, did you now? Were you then like? Obviously, it's not like I'm going to fucking win, but. What were you feeling when you lay down at night? Were you like picturing winning? Were you picturing what it'd be like? Mm, I, I was wanting to soak up the experience no matter what, right? Like I wanted to go and I wanted to meet everybody and all these international lifters that I've known for a while um, and getting to meet them was a huge deal. The actual chance of me winning, I, I genuinely believed I had the best chance out of any other 93 to beat Keiko. Uh, I didn't know for sure. And even as it got closer weeks to weeks, um, when I squatted, I think I squatted like 305 and it felt so easy. Um, it was like three weeks out or something. And it was so easy. I'm like, holy shit, I could squat, you know, 317, 320 maybe on, on meet day. And that was where, oh shit, okay. Like the math of what I needed to do to, to be able to beat him. Um, that is where I was like, oh, okay, this is real. And I, I kept it in my head. I didn't put it out there. Um, as aggressively as like maybe Joe that I'm going to win, you know, I want to, you know, be the best, I'm going to be the best, but I thought it was definitely a potential there. Yeah. And why do you think, did you, is it, why do you think you held back and why do you think Joe put it out there in terms I mean, of two so, different? 
so I can't talk on Joe specifically. I know like for him, um, he he's like me. He's very intense in you know how much he cares about the sport too. Um, I just know like I've never competed at Worlds, but I knew what it went into to actually you know the, the standards. You know we could talk about the depth calls. We could talk about bench commands. We could talk about um, handoffs on bench or deadlift platform being filled with holes in it everywhere from a whole meet uh, or a whole week of a meat running um, and then not changing out the wood at all. Uh, there's things like that that you just have no idea, right? Like it was winter time in, you know, South Africa and it was freezing because there was no heat in that building or in the tent thing or whatever it was. It was, it was a nightmare. And I knew those things were a big potential to happen. Um, so I didn't want to just say, oh yeah, I'm the man I'm going to win yet. But, you know, again, I, I feel that way in my head. I've just been here and failed so many times that I don't want to put it out there like that, you know? Yeah. It's, um, it's entirely different. If you, like everybody says it when they leave worlds, you, the, the difference is because you are such a prep fucking dude. And um, it's the way you approach things, man. You don't approach things like other people. It's hard to explain. There's, there's something about like the, the devil in details that you approach things. Like I remember at PA Nats, um, we were doing, I think we we're having either lunch or breakfast, breakfast. and um, it was Delaney or someone, I forget it was Delaney or, or, or Gavin. And we we're talking about recomping or cutting or whatever. And you were like, well, how many calories you're asking some questions and, and, and someone didn't have the answers. And you're like, how do you not know this, sir? Like you, you were, cause you're that guy. You're like, you're like, I know everything about what I'm doing or whatever. Right. Like, like there was no such thing as intuitive. Um, you know, you, it's, I, I shouldn't say none, but you're just like, you don't leave things a chance like that. Like you were fully aware of things and prepped. And um, so before you go to worlds, everybody who comes on the podcast and I've been in like so many worlds at this point, everybody comes on the podcast afterwards is like, I was not fucking ready for what worlds would actually be like. <laughs> and, and they're, they're like, or Delaney was in afterwards being like, man, that was different. The word to use is different. You mm -hmm. think something's going to happen. But afterwards, you're like, did not fucking expect that. And people who haven't been the worlds yet, they talk on like social media and they do comparisons of certain things. And it's like, if you don't know, you got to take my word. You don't just, you right. go there, you just fucking win. And it's everything else is just a challenge that you all have to face. But somehow you, you have the wherewithal to be like, Take it in and, and expect it. Can I can I say something real quick? I, okay. I want to give some credit to Pete Spence uh, because he he told me, he, I, like he's a very big stats guy, and he was telling me some of the numbers about IPF Worlds, and he was saying like it's something like five percent off your total, something crazy of your best total is what you should expect at Worlds. And I was like arguing with him. It was like, okay, well, what if we take care of all these other factors and everything's handled? And even then, that is still like a, a very high rate, uh, like 5% off your total. That is huge. And I think if we look at some of the uh, you know best you know lifters competing at Worlds and what their best totals are in the US or domestically, um, it's a big, it's a big drop off, man. It's a huge mm -hmm. drop off. Yeah. Well, well, you look at, for instance, like Keiko his biggest total isn't at worlds, but he won worlds and it's just, mm -hmm. but when people tune in, they tune in for battles and they want to see like, who's going to fucking win this. Nobody wants anything given away. Like it's, that's not what worlds is about. You've got to win it under yeah. like tough conditions. Um, so going in there, 
you are in a murderer's row. I think probably the most most stacked division, even more than Joe had faced in the 66s. Um, so going into the 93s and seeing from stacked from, and there's some people that I know some people had slept on. Like obviously, um, you're you're familiar, everyone knows Jonathan Keiko, uh, Gavin Aiden, Kevin's Manic, all over social media, everyone knows Gavin Aiden. To a lesser extent, but still anyone who knows powerlifting, people know Gustav Hedlund. He won the junior world championships, um, gave Keiko the scare of his life in Sweden for the world championships, and mm-hmm. is, is deadly thorough, the European champion. But less people would know a guy like Emil Krastev from Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. I knew him. You knew him. I know you know him. Um, I'd seen him last year at Worlds, and I've been reposting him. But I knew he had, been, he had hit an 847 and a half, but like a year and a half ago. And then at Worlds, he did it again, and I'm like, he's, he's stronger than that. He had a shitty day. That was a year-and-a-half number. And I knew coming into this, if you hit 187-and-a-half a, a year-and-a-half ago or more, your total could easily be in the late 800s, and people are going to get rattled and be like, where did that come from? Like, that's a big jump, sort of. But you know specifically, like, if you can hit around 850 a year-and-a-half ago, because you haven't hit 850 since, just means the day something happened. But you're, if your strength continued – you're probably projected into, if you do the math, you're like, if his strength is still moving, it's just when he happened to be audited on that certain day, the competition day, you just might not have had a great day because it was worlds or, or Europeans or whatever. And you could be like, fuck me. I know him better than that. My total, I have gotten stronger in the last 18 months. I just haven't had it on the platform. And if you look at his training, it's like, it can happen. Some people are going to get caught sleeping. Um, and there's, and obviously like Sasha had a shitty day, but he can go in the late eight hundos, um, and he's broken world records. Some people could sleep on him too, but going into this, were you like, who were you looking out for? Were you just like, fuck, I don't know. So, and this is one thing that I wanted to point out to you guys because of the previous podcast that you guys did where you picked me third or maybe didn't pick me at all to win, um, that it's completely fine, right? Like you should, you should pick Kaiko above me, no matter what you think of my training or anything, because it's proven, right? Like if he's proven to go nine for nine every time, like there's nothing showing that it should be different, right? Um, you look at their training, you look and see what differences they made and, you know, what was their last heaviest pull before they pulled this at the last meet and you compare it to where they're at now. And we look at Krastev where he had good increases on all three lifts. Um, and especially bench, you know, being consistent and improving on all three is a little bit easier or more consistent or easier predict- predictability for comp um, because there's more chances to make progress, right? Like instead of you all, all your eggs are in one basket like deadlift, if it's not perfect, well, your total shot down. Um, right. That's a big deal. So I, I, I looked to Krastev. I knew he was going to be up there where he was nominated sixth or something. I was like, dude, there's... from the numbers that I saw, I thought he would be three to four, two to three to four, really, realistically. It worked out that he ended up placing second because of the the changes at the end and all that kind of stuff. He kind of just snuck by. Uh, But Gustav, I was very concerned about him getting a really big bench, you know, squatting 315 to 320, and then pulling 355, you know, up to 360 if he needed to. I was like, okay, he's right up there. And Kaiko was obviously the he- the number one that was like, as long if I can beat Kaiko, I'm, I'm good. Right. Like if that, that's probably the biggest thing. Um, no, no, no shade against anybody else, but looking at what I've seen from their training and what numbers, you know, the actual math of it, I didn't, wasn't as concerned with, with the others. 
I knew Sasha probably would be up there depending on how his deadlift was. Uh, but I knew his squat, I actually haven't seen anything from his squat to indicate that he could squat a lot more than what he did at the previous meet, which is like 280 or 285. So that was like, okay, we'll see if I always, I always look at this when you're scouting for powerlifting scouts, right? We actually look for their, their heaviest training numbers and we see if it's to depth, if it's a standard, if it is cool, then, you know, I'm looking at that. I actually take that seriously. If they don't show it, it's probably because it's not there. And that's just one of those things. Like most of the time people hiding their training, I know it personally, it's not, it's not that you're hiding it. Like if you have something to show, like people want to show it. They want to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm that guy. I did it. I can put this number up, look at, look at it and be scared. That's what most people want to do. And if they don't have that, they, they can't, you know, they're not going to post it. It's tough because you're right to an extent. Like Gavin was not showing his bench in his deadlift. So yeah. it was guesswork. And then um, Gustav doesn't always show a lot either. Like he does, he also plays sometimes his cards close to his chest. He'll show some stuff, but not all the stuff. So when it comes to like trying to do the math game and sometimes like I've been burned with the math game being like, this <laughs> looks like, and, um, but it's not actual math. Like math is actually like this equation will give this number. It's, it's not, it's, it's black and white, but this is actually predicting where you're making guesswork. It's only guesswork. There's no such thing as if you do the math, like I know we all say that, right. But there actually isn't, um, an equation because, I've been burned before where I'm like, if I take this squat, this bench, I'm like, holy shit, this is going to happen. I get all excited. And people are like, what happens with the travel? What's his body weight at? What's good on meet day? What's his attempt selection at? And then fucking things just don't work out. And I'm like, fuck man. Like it's difficult. Like it's tough, man. But uh, I know what you mean. Like you can look at that stuff and try, but I don't know. Some people too, like for instance, Enna, Anyways, I don't want to get too far off topic, but nothing will fucking ever prepare you for a guy like that. Where it's like, what the fuck was that all about? Uh, there's always one dude like that in the mix where it's like, anybody who's like, yeah, I've seen that coming. It's like, no, you did not. <laughs> right? Can I, I, I do want to say though, like yeah. I didn't expect Enna to pull 380 or get close to 385, but I did expect him to pull like 360 something straight up. I did like hundred percent. Cause I, I'd known him for a while. I knew he got injured before and kind of where he was even with injury and like not even training. So I knew he was, he was up there, not quite there, but yeah. 385 when he loaded it up, <laughs> my God, man. I'm like, you get, this is, this is insanity. That so was the of... most, that was the most hype part of the meet. And, and me and like the British team were watching, you know, the whole meet, we we're looking at the map and all the numbers and everything. And we were watching to see, you know, cause we knew what number he needed. And he put out like 375 at first, it was the, the original call. And then we were like, okay, let's watch to see if the Hungarian coach comes out, you know, to the, the scorer's table, because we know it's going to be changed, right? And we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And then he finally comes walking around and we're like, yes, yes. Like, because we knew it was about to go down. And it's just the yeah. craziest. It was so, it was so hype. <laughs> I, oh, fuck. Anyway, so, all right. So we'll double back. Um, <laughs> it, it's interesting. I was just wanted to add that I went back and looked um from our preview show my picks like some classes had top three some class had top five or six whatever we did on the show i went back and put in the actual compared to what i predicted and there was so many wrong especially on the <laughs> men's side i had yeah. so many wrong on the women's side at least i got a lot of like the champs right and some of the seconds and thirds right but like you guys are saying 
you can look at the training and predict, okay, this is what their estimated max would be, whatever, based on RP, but you don't know all the other stuff. You don't know if they're going to screw up their taper, when they're going to come in, how much they're cutting, if they don't list their buy weight, those kind of things. So there's so many things that like, you know, I thought were going to happen. These were going to hit these numbers didn't happen, but it's also funny. I went back and looked at my messages again, um, when Chance and I were talking May 25th about Emil, we were going back and forth on what we think he can hit. Norman? And uh, uh, Emil, uh, oh, sorry, yeah. Because Chance is like, dude, you guys aren't talking about him. Here's his training numbers, blah, blah, And I said May 25th, on a good day, he can do around 875. And he did 877.5. So we were, we, we thought he was in contention if he has a really good day. Um, Chance thought like a 227 bench was going to be a reach for him. He ended up getting that. Uh, he mm -hmm. did like a 340 deadlift in the gym, which I thought was like basically his max. He ended up doing 342. So he did overperform, I think, a little bit from what we were thinking. But we thought on a good day he was capable of that. and He'd be right there in the battle. Uh, yeah. I just assumed the other guys were going to be around that number too. I thought – so here's the thing. I thought Keiko – I bought into Keiko hitting back around the 900 and like he's – he's um, I mean, he's hit he, – he's capable of it. And, and I just – like. It's all fucking guesswork, obviously, but, but but again, like like Chance said, someone had done that last year too for our fantasy league. They looked at Keiko's numbers going into world last year compared to going into like the nationals. And he was like, the numbers are very similar in training or even a little bit lower. So the guy had predicted that Keiko would total with less, and he actually did. It's just that he's won worlds that way. Like we said, everyone drops. So like going back 2021 nationals, he did 880.5, and then he won worlds with 873. Then this year he does 888 and he totals at, at Worlds 873.5. So half a kilo more than what he won Worlds last year. It just wasn't enough this year. Yeah. And, um, and well, okay, let's get into the actual Worlds and start talking about attempt <laughs> selection in the whole night. Yeah. So, well, first off, when you show up day of, what is your feeling, man? Are you like, holy shit, this is the dream? Or are you focused in? Yeah, I mean, I... I thought I would be nervous as hell. I thought because of how big of a deal I made it in my head and like, this is it, this is the, the end game of powerlifting for me. And this is the final, you know, final step. I thought I would be a nervous wreck, almost hyperventilating. And I wasn't at all. Like I was the most calm, the most like Arian, I mean, Arian saw me, like, I'm like going out to my music. I'm just doing whatever. I'm like, so, so chill compared to what I thought I would was going to be. So yeah, that was that was a big uh, step, but it was it was a cold day, man. Like it was freezing in South Africa. It's you know in an outdoor type venue with no real heat in there. Um, it was cold. Like if you saw the pictures, do you see the pictures that White Lights Media did? You it, the vibe of it looks like freezing in there. Like you can tell. And when you looked around that warm up room though, and it's nothing yeah. but fucking killers, and you <laughs> know we're going live. And it's, it's, you look on that platform and they, I mean, it's a, it feels like a big show when you walk in that room and you see the platform, the lighting, the media teams all set up and the rows and rows of chairs watching. I remember walking into the venue being like, this fucking feels big. It's big. It was grandiose. It was huge. You walk into the warm up room it's fucking huge. And um, all the national teams and national team jackets, people speaking different languages and, and all the international stars and it's the most competitive class. And you walk in there, you like, holy shit, here we go. Or you would like, turn it off, robot, I'll take it in later. Yeah, I turned my brain off entirely, like 100%. That day was just automatic, like clockwork type of thing. Uh, and I think 
I, there was a couple points that I did notice when I was walking out, like kind of to the side to look, go to the bathroom or whatever. And I did see the crowd and that was the most crowd that we had at the whole meet. Oh, yeah. That was the most crowd for sure. Well, you guys are in the same session as Jessica Bittner versus Agatha Shitsko as well. Yeah, yeah. Insane. Your session, the back-to-back, -back, it was the 76s and 93s, is one of the greatest sessions I ever called in my life. And I've called a lot of chance. I've called a lot of chance in my life. That was one of the wildest. I'll never forget it. The, the energy that both of those weight classes brought, it's the craziest, man. And you had to, I know you felt it, um, cause we'll get into the actual lifting, but you I could see you after your third squat and the video is amazing where you're like, Oh shit. Chances on. Um, so when you're starting and you're warming up it, it, like, what's the dialogue between you and Arian? He's already got your numbers. He's already got plan ABC or how does this work between the two of you? So, I mean, Aaron, you could probably talk on this because it was kind of just, hey, what are we doing, Aaron? All right, cool. All right, that was it. It was that type of vibe, uh, but he can say more on that. Yeah, I mean, Chance sent me his plan and uh, I reviewed it and we just made some last minute, like minor tweaks and attempts. Like I lowered his opener squat and bench just down two and a half to like make more comfortable jumps. Um, and then the only thing we had to plan was because with the whole Euro sport and that primetime session, it's eight lifters for women, eight lifters for men is it's not a lot of time to warm up. So I was like, Chance, we're gonna have to get a few of our warmups in before the women even go because he had a lot of squat warmups. And then when the women are going, we'll get your last like three or four in. So we just timed it right so that he can get started early and then pace it through the women's flight because it's gonna go quick. Uh, and then we were ready to go for that opener. Yeah, man, the first warmups, the biggest. I mean, after that, you're pretty warm, but like that first warm up, And it was for people that don't know, man, South Africa, their winter, it gets, it gets cold, man. It gets cold, man. It was uh, even when the action heats up. So when you go out there and it is hit the, so you warm up, you take your first squat and the most nerve wracking lift is usually that you just get on the board, get on that fucking board and you miss the first. What is the dialogue? What happened? You guys have to have a conversation. It's on depth. It's not like a, like a failure miss, obviously, but what are you guys thinking? What's going on here? Yeah. I mean, with the, the squat itself, walking out there and I do my normal setup for my grip on my, my bar, uh, like with my, my hands kind of off the bar. I have like a couple fingers that are loosely off the bar, but it's still touching, but it wasn't to the, the level that they wanted. Right. So she stops me and like, Hey, re-rack the bar. I go to re-rack it, kind of take it out again. Ch uh, Arian's like 15 seconds chance or 20 seconds chance or whatever it was. And then I squat it and in my head, you know, for what I'm used to, I felt like I cut it a little bit high, but even watching on video, it looked pretty good. Like it was close. And even on, yeah. on the audio of your commentary, Ryan, uh, you're like, oh, okay. Like, you know, it maybe a little bit, a little bit yeah, higher or something, yeah. but you didn't say anything. Oh, that was like way high chance. You know, there's nothing like that. Um, so it was close. And, you know, I told Ari and I was like, you know, hey, like it was a lot to do with the, the stopping of me before I get the bar out and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I was like, let's just throw it away. It's fine. The strength was there. I felt great. Like it flew. And Aaron's like, all right, all right, all right. And we'd go up to 305 after that. And how yeah. are your thoughts? Go ahead, Aaron. 
Oh, I was just going to say, we had already planned for these scenarios, even though I didn't think Chance was going to miss a, a squat because he's really good at making squats in the meet. I said, hey, what happens if we miss like a, a squ opener squat or what if we miss opener Della? Do you mm -hmm. still want to go up and wait and continue with the plan? This was before the meet even happened, like going over the game plan, um, just so we know when if it does happen, we're ready for it. And he's like, yeah, like, you know, I'm here to win. There's no point in repeating the attempt and just like staying at the 290 squad like that. We'll go up. And then, what well, do you know, we go out there. And the lady's like, yeah, you're not gripping the bar. His fingers, even though the fingers like wrapped around touching it, like you're not gripping the bar and doing that readjustment, everything like that. He just like cuts his depth. And I still talk with him. I was like, hey, you sure you want to do the three oh the plan 305 so that we can set for 315? Or do you want to adjust down and do like 300 to play it safe? And then we can always go like 310 and third. And he's like, no, dude, I'm feeling good. I'm on point, blah, blah, blah. Let's stick with the plan. So I said, all right, we'll go 305. And, and I'm thinking too, like, if he can't hit 305 on that day, like we might as well go home. He's not, he's not going to win. <laughs> yeah, you fuck. That's, that's, right. that's, that's actually fair. That's actually fair. Like we're fucked anyways. I, I can't remember what exactly what I said on the commentary, but it's something along the lines of like, look, I get it. I've said this before. Like you missed the first on a technicality depth or whatever the shit lock knees, whatever it might be. Then you go up, you might miss the second on strength. No, it's no one plans on missing the second attempt on strength but you see it often enough, right? Usually it's the third. So that's where things get dicey. And I say that whenever I see someone go up regardless. However, I also know, so this is if you're coming in, if you're like battling for podium or battling for whatever, that's one thing. But if I know you're battling for overall gold and you're, and it's realistic, it's not a far shot. And we all know it's going to be realistic with chance and any of the top 93s. In that case, that is when it is we're going up anyways because if i lose ground now i cannot recover it and if i don't recover it i am not only am i coming a second this tight i'm coming away the fuck back anyways like we're so far off you're you go from first to sixth to seventh with a field like this so th it was different i don't remember you you heard it over chances did i say something like that at the time uh that i was kind of out of it i no, no, that, that, that I, that I championed the fact that you went up and weighed anyways. That I thought it was a good idea. I can't remember if I did. I, I don't remember. I, I heard, I, maybe it wasn't you. Maybe it was the, the, the woman announcer that was saying it, uh, that was commenting as well. Maybe I think she's like, oh, that's interesting of him to, to, to go up again or something like that. Uh, but I, I don't remember the specifics of whether you said it was a good idea or not. But it was like, well, it obviously ended up paying off. But were you at all nervous coming out for that second, telling yourself? Okay. Going into the second, no. I was completely cool with that. Like, I knew I would be able to destroy this because of, like, I felt the strongest I've ever been on squat, um, even compared to, like, training the last week. After the 305, though, after, after getting two reds, and I was like, I barely, I sat on my feet. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Like I looked, I looked immediately as I, as I racked it and looked at two reds, I looked to the jury and even the jury was like, what the hell is that? Like, what I can't believe it. Right. Like, am I, am I wrong? Like I looked at them and, and Arian's like, okay, okay. Like, we'll, we'll see what they say or if they overturn it. I, I like, I like threw my, I feel like I threw my hands in the air or something like that. Cause it, it <laughs> It was um, one red card for depth and one blue card, which a blue card can usually be a couple of different things. So I kind of like threw my hands up in the air and I turned around and Mike's already walking the jury. I was like, Chance, let's just go yeah. let Mike take care. And they were saying that the blue card was for like his knees not being locked out at the end. 
And I was like, okay, that's weird. Like sometimes with the knee sleeves, it kind of like pulls down a little bit and bunches up behind the knee. I was like, maybe they thought it was that. And so the jury I saw it and like immediately overturned it. And I was like, okay, we were we're right, we're we're in the meet. And I was already at the scoring table. Once Mike said we're good, I just put in the uh, three fifteen for the third attempt. So if like it ended up being overturned, but if it mm-hmm. didn't, if it didn't. <laughs> what were I you don't... guys gonna do? I want to say now that at this point I would be like, yeah, I mean, I strength wise i hit it like i knew my depth was there i like even watching the the, the video back and you i wa- i listened to your commentary ryan of it you're like wow like i don't remember what you said but you were very surprised that it was yeah. it was red still um that i you know like if i hit it and it's all these other things are taken care of it's to standard i would want to say that i'm going up again but at that point, like it is so <laughs> so risky. Like going up from the, the the opener to the second, that's fine. But when you don't have any squat in at all and you're gonna go up again, <laughs> I don't I don't know about that. Like I'm I'm ballsy in certain situations, but I'm not like that <laughs> that ballsy. Uh, uh, yeah, I I would have you know pushed to either repeat or maybe a much smaller jump because his meet PR is 307.5. So you wouldn't want to jump from 305 to 315 when the most he's ever done is 307 and you're having all these issues. And and, and even if, even if you have the strength for it, if you're thinking about, man, I got to bomb this out, you bomb out, you lose some tightness and boom, you can just miss. And so I would have pushed to either do the same weight and Hey, let's, let's focus on bench and Delft to gain some ground, or maybe just go to like 307 or 310, whatever to like tie the PR or small PR, but Mm -hmm. good thing we don't have to worry about that. (laughs) But but watching the, the squats back, my third, in my opinion, looked a little higher than my second. And my second, I was, I, it was one of those things where you're like, I am doing every single thing I can to bury this as, and you know, I never have issues with depth ever, 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 ever. Um, and so I was like, if this is high, <laughs> I'm going home. Like what, 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 I can't get deeper than this. And I like, I wish I could put up this, the screenshot of my squat up and it was feet, my my hamstrings sitting on my my heels it was wild at least um the jury's seen it overturned it and i don't think the refs like their calls getting overturned so i think they're gonna adjust a little bit and be like okay they're seeing something <laughs> we're not maybe i gotta lean in right. a little further get a better angle whatever and um they never ever ever tell me that i shouldn't say this shouldn't say that like i can always say my opinion so if i see something mm. I'm, oh wow i i think that looked deep to me or whatever i'm allowed to I'm allowed to say like, I disagree with this um, or whatever. Right. Like, so, um, and I'm glad that the jury has replay will review it and be like, no, no, no. They'll step in and like, no, listen, with all due respect, you guys saw that for one second, we could slow this down and we've seen it. And um, that was definitely it. So thank God they did their job. And to the, uh, the crowd, because I listened to the, the stream back you can hear the crowd. Oh, like, oh yeah. they were so upset because they saw it. They saw it too. And they're like, what the hell is this call? The crowd I, was I really, vocal, man. The crowd was into this session. I was going to say, I really liked that aspect of uh, this meet. It was like, the yeah, the crowd was aware of what was going on and they had the big projector and it would show the replay and the whole crowd would just like, you know, react to it kind of like a normal like NFL or NBA game. Um, and as far as the referees, when the referee schedule comes out, I always go and look because I know a lot of the referees. And I had told you, Ryan and, and Delaney, when we were walking to the venue, I go, the one lady from Germany, she's a stickler <laughs> on the rules. She's really tough. I go, 
and she likes calling depth. So that, I said that can be an issue for Gavin, but I didn't know what position she was in. She would end up being the chief. So it's a little bit harder, obviously, to see depth there. But they did call Gavin on his third squat. Um, but I didn't know the two sides. And I think a lot of the names maybe were newer people. You know, maybe there's a turnover in the last two years and they're getting some new refs out there. So, yeah, maybe they made the bad call. The jury overturned it. And then, like, the, the referees reacted and, like, you know, went the other way on the third and gave it to them. I love – so because the 76 is 93s, both, there was no law. And it was all killer, no filler. Like, there's, like, eight lifters. They're all killers type deal. Um, the crowd was so fucking into the session – um, we'll get to it in a minute, but I was literally on my feet at times commentating while on my feet and, and I'm pacing. I'm like, hold this mic cord isn't long enough. And the crowd is like, when someone would hit the crowd goes nuts. If a call they didn't like, they'd be Oh, if they see, <laughs> and they'll look to the replay and they'll see yeah. the replay and they're like, Oh, what the fuck? You'll hear like people yelling and like, it was so wild, man. Um, it was a fucking moment. And during that, so when you came out and you hit your 315 squat, afterwards, you duck under the bar. It had that expression like, oh, shit. Like you, I, you could feel the energy. The crowd could feel you. You could feel the crowd's energy. And I was like, holy shit. I think we all knew it didn't matter where you started, but where you ended up was the base you needed. Now, there's a lot more lifting to go. And we'll get there in a shake. But what were you thinking when that happened at that point? Yeah, because the way, you know, like I, I prepared and did the math and kind of where people are ending at, um, that if I got 315, 317, I was in one, two contention and I knew it. And I, I didn't know specifically where everybody else was, but from what I understood and kind of looking at the score uh, sheet earlier, uh, that everybody was kind of where we predicted. And I, I think that was the oh shit this is real this is we're right here and that's when it clicked in my head after i got that i was like this is this is it yeah i, I remember chance telling me like yeah somewhere around that 315 because he did the 307 at nationals so then that's like you know an extra seven and a half to ten depending on what we got on the third and then uh, on bench as well um like getting somewhere around 190 he was telling me like okay then we're in a good position going in the deadlift where he has enough of a subtotal to then uh stay ahead of these guys and then yeah when i saw the the opening uh forecasted total everything like that i was like all right i think we were in first on forecasted total from the very beginning and we kind of just stayed ahead the whole time so i was like oh we're in a good spot like that because when you're already a whole whole ahead on total and you have the biggest deadlift you're, you're in a pretty good spot i think at one point i said um when the biggest deadlifter is in the lead the battle turns into a hunt and that's when when by the second, as soon as Dalev comes around, when you already got the lead and you and you solidify that, it's not a battle anymore. It's a hunt, and, and it becomes that's uh, it is true. Like the like you cannot let the deadlifter get ahead of you on that like that because then it's like how the fuck are you gonna pull this out? Same with the uh, with the jumps because uh, Jason did the scouting reports for all the weight classes again. So I was looking at all the lifters and how much they normally jump on all their attempts and how much their total goes up. And so I was looking at the average. And when I saw the openers, I just added the average to all the openers to see around when they're ending. And it's not like Chance does like small jumps where they all catch up. Chance does about the same as those other guys and a little bit more like Keiko does some smaller jumps. So I was like, they're not. Yeah, it's going to be a hunt, but they're not going to really catch ground if Chance does his normal jumps. Um. A couple things. So obviously, Emil did the same thing. He missed his second squat, went up anyways, hit 307.5. P 
pivotal for him to cover ground like that. Like all you guys, I don't know if everybody was paying attention to what, like the, like the obviously the other coaches were, but everybody seemed to be on the same page that they're fucking getting after it. Like everybody was on the same page where it's like, no, it's not going to be enough to like, we're all fighting for that gold. We're all fighting for that tough position. And if we miss, we go up anyways. And that's doesn't always happen like that. Some people start making those calls. Like they start getting, you know, complacent with it. You could tell by the way the attempt selection was rolling out. This was going to come. This was going to be a tough war. Um, were you paying attention after the squats had concluded? Did you look at where you where everyone rested after that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely one of those lifters that I watch the scoreboard. I look, I'm watching everything to see what's going on. I can't help it. Like, that's just me as a, as a lifter. I'm, I am very um, <clears throat> into my own head, and I try to, like, focus on what I'm focusing on. But at the same time, like, I know kilos. Like, I, I only think in kilos in terms of lifting. So I know what's on the bar. I can, you know, pick things out. I can look at the prognosis. I can read the board. It's pretty easy for me to do that. So it's hard not to. So after this, who are you thinking are your biggest threats? Um, obviously, you know, Emil missed the squat, but ended up with 307. Keiko ended off, he went three for three, ended up with a 300 kilo squat. Um, Gustav Hedlund ended off with a 317.5, went three for three. And look, it's not just the fact, it's not just the numbers, because sometimes someone will hit some numbers. It's how they did it. Did they have more in the tank? And it's like, oh, fuck. You know what? There was room there, though. And the confidence that they show, like, for instance, I, I mentioned that when I say Gustav, because there's something about after he finished the smirk on his face, the way it moved. And he was like, <laughs> he it, like, if you just look at the scoreboard, you'd be like 317, gotcha. But if you saw it live, and I don't know if you're watching live as well, there is something there. Like, like after you hit your third, obviously you could tell like, oh shit, there's momentum. Gustav is never going to be like you. Like you're, 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 you know, way more out there than he will be. Like in terms of expressing, he's Ivan up. Drago, right? I okay, I there, it is. there it is. You're American. He's he's Ivan Drago, exactly. Yeah. But for him, the look on his face after he hit that, he looked over into the crowd and had this smirk on his face in this confidence. Like I was like, oh shit, Gustav is on as well. Um, everyone had a little something. The only one, uh, Gavin actually missing that world record, he needed that. Had he hit that in the game? Once he mm. missed that, it, you knew that's when he was going to be build where he was going to be building from. Um, who were you worried about? Who were you think taking a step back? What were your thoughts at the end of this? Kaiko and Gustav. That's it. You know, at, at that point, I was like, okay, like as long as I make a third bench, then that's who we have to worry about. You know, how about you, Arian? Yeah, a similar thing. Like Emil was in front of us on the third squat before, so I saw he made that. Um, but yeah, looking at Gustav, he did like 312 at Worlds last year, then 315 at Euros, and so then he had 317 here. So I'm like, okay, he's progressing on squat, and he had to worry about it. And we had already talked about Gavin. We felt like Gavin needed to do like somewhere around 330 on squat and deadlift and 220 on bench. So once he missed the 331 on squat, we're like, okay, we're in, we're in a good spot because then he stuck with that 320 second attempt. Yeah, and um, like by the, at this point, you guys are probably figuring this is all she wrote with Sasha. I didn't even see what he squatted. What did he hit? He he got his opener at 265, and then he just missed from there on out. And he just, like, he got his opener squat, and I think on bench, he misses third. So once he missed, by the time bench was done, he had, mm -hmm. he's three for six, and it was... I, he 
I, I spoke to him a, a few of the different days and and one of the days before the meet we were talking and stuff like that and he was talking like he's not there just for the world record delif he was there to like battle for the total and if he doesn't get the delif that's fine he's there for the total and placing so i thought he was going to come in strong but yeah once i saw the openers his openers were like uh, kind of low compared to some of the other guys and then uh i wasn't too concerned about him yeah he missed 275 for his second and third squat so i'm not sure what happened there his total like his total was way down i'm not sure i i didn't get a I didn't ask him what happened, but he, his total dropped significantly and he was missing a lot of lifts. So he, whatever, you know, there's a million background stories, but mm-hmm. he was definitely a, a contender and he could pull like a son of a bitch. He should have been well deep into the late eight hundreds. This is again, where math doesn't always, there, there's no such thing. You, you know, I think, I think the big thing is with squat, it dictates, like you said, the momentum and the pacing for the meet. And if they can have a big, big squat, I mean, it's a good indicator that deadlift will be there as well. Um, and then bench, as long as you do with, with whatever you have, then you're fine. But especially for somebody that's on the lower end of the, the squat spectrum comparison, um, for him to not get, you know, a big squat, I, I knew it was kind of like, okay, like it's not there for the day. And um, and that's why when I looked at Gustav and he was like, right. I was like, fuck, this is going to be a, a battle. So let's talk about the bench press session. Um, you do, go we, do we though? Do we have to talk about the bench? <laughs> <laughs> well, so obviously you go three for three. Um, uh, Emil's got a monster 500 pound bench. Keiko does his damn thing with a world record. Emil, right. is that a, a European record or uh, I th- he had something? That's got to be. Yeah. Um, a European record. Um, Gavin missed another one. Gustav misses third bench. So we lost a little bit of ground and Sasha continues to miss again. What are your guys' thoughts in the bench press? Now, obviously, this is hold serve time. This is mm-hmm. whatever kilos is fine. Not a major ground is covering. But what are you guys thinking as this is unfolding? I think we planned up to 192. And I was kind of telling Arian, I was like, hey, it doesn't really make that much of a difference if we get 190 versus 192. It just matters that we get it. And um, bench felt great that day. It was actually stronger than I anticipated. And I think when 192 was there. What are you thinking, Arian? Yeah. Yeah, we did like the 10 kilo jump to the 185 second and the 185 looked all right. But yeah, we were just like, do we risk going for 192 and get stuck with the 185 um, or do we just play conservative and go 190? So we played conservative, went 190 and the 190 actually looked good. It looked like he did have 192 in him, um, but it wasn't a big deal because he had chances like the minimum he wanted to hit was 190. And because he had done 185 at nationals, now we've done seven and a half more on squat and five more on bench. So now he's growing that subtotal. And that's the thing where do you take the guaranteed five or do you risk it all for two and a half more? And when you got to load up that final dead, there's a, there's a capacity, there's a, there's an end, there's a, there's a ceiling on it. And you've gained seven and a half kilo on squat. You've got a potential five on bench. That is where it's like that 2020 hindsight. Like, do you get greedy? Obviously you made the right call. You go six for six after this. Um, are you guys paying attention to everybody else? Like how confident are you after you're seeing where everybody else ended up? Yeah. Uh, so it went four for six. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's well, yeah, you're yeah. right. Because, or five for six, right? No, no. Four for six. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because you missed, um, Oh, well, no, no, no. just one, one. You, you just five missed your six. opener, but you went up anyways. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah you're you're yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but you ended up where you wanted to be anyways. That's what I should say. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Uh, so how are you guys feeling? I mean, I felt good. I knew we were in a good spot. I just needed to see how warm felt. Um, I was super bloated going into deadlift, which is not good and kind of feels a little bit off. 
uh, because of how fast the meat was. So, you know, the, the re, uh, clumping and rehydrating after the meat, you know, if it's running very fast, you don't have time to get it all the way down and kind of process it. And, um, so I was super bloated and I was like, whatever, that's fine. Uh, going into deadlift, uh, knowing that squat was on my deadlift's going to be at least where it was before, or if not better. Um, and so it was, it was a very strong, like my, I remember recording my three thirty, my last warm up, and it was probably the most effortless three thirty plus deadlift I've ever done. Um, so I knew I was strong enough there. Uh, but the platform situation was, was, was rough. Uh, what were you thinking, Arian, after bench press, when you're seeing Keiko, um, collect the chip, you're seeing a meal is on, um, he's, he's benching 500 pounds, 227.5 kilo. Uh, he missed the squat, went up anyway. So he finished where he wanted to be anyways, likely in squat. He finished where he wanted to be on bench. Um, Gustav, who went three for three, he ended up missing his third, but you could miss one and still pull something out. W- what are you thinking overall? Yeah, and with Gustav, he he did miss his third, but like looking at his numbers now, like he did 205 at Europeans and he did 207 at Worlds. So like he's still like, you know, adding on a two and a half kilos onto his bench compared to that total that he hit. So I was like, okay, you know, he added two and a half on squat, two and a half on bench when he had done that 865. So he's still on pace to get into like, you know, the 870s and beyond. So I was still looking at, looking at him. We, we were kind of guessing where Keiko was going to be at where like, I was like, he's either going to do 238.5 or like the 240.5. And they went with the 238.5. Um, so that was good for us. They did like, you know, the two kilos less um, with Emil was interesting. I wasn't paying attention to Emil that much, even though he hit the 307 uh, squat and then he hit the 227 bench. I wasn't focused on him as much. I was looking more at Keiko and, and Gustav and then Gavin again. Yeah. He missed that uh, bench. So I was like, okay, that just helps us out even more where Gavin's kind of out of the picture. So I was focusing, interestingly enough, more on, on Keiko and Gustav. But as far as chance, we were on point. Even though it was a tricky way to get to the, the third attempt numbers we wanted, we got <laughs> we we got there, and then we have the biggest deadlift. Yeah. So why why do you think Emil? You weren't too worried about Emil. What was there something? Why was that even? I, I don't know if I, if it, I would say it's I wasn't too worried about him. I just wasn't noticing him on the on the sheet. Maybe it's just because the big jumps he did on deadlift, his prognosis looked lower, and just having a weaker deadlift, you know, or maybe just because I had seen Keiko before. I've I've seen Gustav before. Keiko wins every year. I was so focused on them. I wasn't necessarily adding up Emil's number. So it wasn't like a strategic thing. It was maybe more of a mistake on my part. Well, wow, that's very that's <laughs> admirable of you. So as the deadlifts roll out. Um, and obviously you hit your opener or hang on a second here. You miss your opener. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> and move that would up be anyway. too easy. Yeah. Yeah. No, sorry. Uh, so what happened there? You guys ended up moving up another 21 kilos and this is like a world record. So what was the, what was the decision there in terms of first off, how, what was your impression? What was the conversation? And then did you guys already have that? decided ahead of time yeah i mean we didn't we didn't decide that um especially the way it was the miss uh arian asked me afterwards okay what do you want to do here you know this is the same similar situation uh the the real thing was is like i felt great like that opener flew and it was almost to the point where you know like if it developed openers too fast sometimes you like you know finish the rep but it kind of pulls you forward because of you know how much um speed you you pull it up with and another thing was, is that like, I felt like my feet were in like divots on the platform. And so I already felt forward in of itself. So 
it was one of those things where it was like, dude, I was I was very confident about the second attempt, no matter what, um, that I would be, hey, I'm prepared for it, that I'll just make sure I don't fall forward or anything, and I'll be good. So yeah, we, we talked about it right afterwards, and Arian was still kind of like, okay, <laughs> like kind of like, are we, are we sure here? But it was fine, you know. Did you know, uh, Arian, this was all or nothing. This was either, like, it could, this is why it was so dramatic. You guys went from, like, literally not having your total at all secured to literally being the leader and everyone's <laughs> chasing you and you're the biggest deadlifter and you solidify, and you literally, that, that, was, that made the gold medal. You became a world champion off it. It was the biggest all or nothing deadlift. Did you realize this ahead of time? You're like, holy fuck, here we go. Uh, I mean, it's easier to look at now, but back then we assumed he has to make a second and third. So we, we didn't want to repeat 352 and then have to jump to like 382 or something like that right. to pull pull for the win. Um, and, and I thought the same thing has happened to a bunch of people on sumo before because your your feet are pointed out so much that your like base support is not the same as conventional. So if it's so fast, the weight can pull you forward. And also, like like Chance said, that platform, we actually went out before Chance even started warming up. Chance, Joe Jordan, and I walked out there to look at the venue, look at the platform. He was putting his feet down, seeing where the divots were, where it was good. Cause Chance like, they changed the wood, right? And I was like, nah, let's, let me go show you. <laughs> so, so, so I showed it to him and everything like that. So he like knew going in what the situation was. And like for our, for his opener, we told him brush the bar and roll the bar all as far back as possible to try and get it out of where the main divots are and stuff like that. Um, but uh, his toes were still in there. So um, we went with the plan where we were gonna go up, but we adjusted the plan because his second attempt was supposed to be higher. It was supposed to be, I think, 378 chance, was it? Mm -hmm. uh, 375, I, 5 or 378, something like that. Something like that. And I was like, hey, let's just pull down a little bit just to chip the world record, and you'll still be in first because all these other guys are doing like 15 kilo jumps, 17 half kilo jumps. So let's just do the 21 kilo jump, get the world record deadlift, and just to play a little bit more conservative because of those issues. We don't want to go more than we need to. And then let's say you miss a second time after repeating this stuff. Let's get the second one in and then figure out from there. So he's like, yeah, it's fine. Let's go 373.5. So that's what we went with. Strategically speaking, that was an absolutely gold. Very move. good call. <laughs> uh, very good call. Like it, it, it's in terms of strategizing, grabbing the chip, taking first place, but not overshooting anything more than you needed to accomplish both of those is what the nail in the coffin was. Because now you're in first, everybody's got to try to pull to overtake you, but you get to pull last and you'll know exactly what to load the bar with. And you didn't, it made zero sense to try to accomplish both of those, but risk more kilos. I get it where you'd be like, well, we have to force everyone to load a little bit more to overtake, but you had one more dead left to go. So you could accomplish taking the lead, taking the chip and still having another dead because you're the biggest puller and you're going to pull last. It would, would not make sense to have gone more than that. Um, and looking at it, I remember seeing what, what was about to happen when I seen the attempt and I was like, this is an all or nothing. This will throw him in first. And if chance gets this, he's in first place and he's the biggest deadlifter. That is incredibly, it's not impossible to beat. But that is, now you guys are in as good a position as you can. This is fucking phenomenal position to be in. When you walked out there, did you realize, like, did, did you and Arian, I don't know if you're doing the math, you know, like, holy, this is all or nothing. This is, this is that position that we, you would dream of. 
No, and it's a good thing I didn't because I would probably have made myself nervous about it. Yeah, but you're not thinking. Then that's the whole good thing about the mean is like it's happening so fast that you don't have time to be like, oh shit, what, you know, what happens if, you know, it's like, no, like I, I got it. Let's good. Let's do it. You know, and there's eight lifters and then, oh, a chance you're three out. Okay, I'm going up there. I'm listening to my music. You don't have time to get nervous about it. Um, and that worked out well because, yeah, that was a big, big meet. I mean, big, uh, big pull um, that dictated a lot for the meet. And even talk, you know, dictates what happens with Kaiko's third deadlift as well. It, it literally that one deadlift change would would change your life, man. Like mm-hmm. that one deadlift, um, like Arian, Arian doing that math, like being like, "Yo, you okay if I drop this?" I'm glad he didn't like tell you because here's what it means. But <laughs> but sometimes it is that look like it whatever. But um, I'm sure Arian knew this is this is going to accomplish a lot with one pull. It's gonna. It's about to change everything, man. Watching it live was fucking nutty, especially when you realize how into this you were. Um, and after you got it, and you were celebrating, and you were uber confident, it applied all the pressure in the world. Now, when you hit that and you went back at that point, did Arian tell you you were now in the lead? You now have the chip, and you now are obviously gonna pull last. Now we are. Did it start dawning on you? holy shit this is i this is gonna happen maybe i don't think he said it right away but we were back there kind of looking at the board and then he talked about it i think um and i was like oh shit really like i didn't really understand it until it's happening and then yeah you can say more Aaron. yeah i'll I'll just run into different numbers based on what people had put in and i was getting like the cards ready too because the scoring tables like not right next to where the lifters walk out so like as a coach if you want to put a change in you have to like run out come all the way around through the warm room come to the other side and at that point too Keiko was in it too um so i was talking to, to mike zawalinski the head coach like hey after Keiko pulls whatever happens happens but after he pulls can you help me out with the changes if we have to and he's like yeah sure no problem so i was writing down the cards and putting the numbers and i went over the chance i was like hey listen based on the numbers right now if Keiko makes his third then we have to go this number 383 if gustav makes his third we have to go this number right here 380 and stuff like that and so we we're looking at that and then um at some point too, I told him like, Hey, just in case everyone misses and you already have the win locked up on your second, what do you want to do for your third? So I was like going over every scenario with him and then just waiting as it played out each lift at a time. And when you guys are doing this, um, what is the deal with the coaching staff in the U S you're just like, you had already <laughs> this said, a, this is a great point that you're, that you're making. Um, I don't think, cause Aaron, you weren't in the powerlifting America team call, were you? Yeah, I was on, on the one video call. Oh, you were? Okay, so you heard the, the, the point where Joey comes into the group chat or into the, the phone call and he's saying, oh, yeah, you know, it doesn't even matter which coach is, is handling who because uh, Kaiko is the strongest lifter, you know, so it won't matter. And so I, I remember when, when Joey said that and I, we were all just kind of like laughing and kind of laughed it off. Um, but I was like, that was like so fucking rude to, to come in there and just say that out of nowhere because it's like, not only is it, it normally does doesn't matter obviously but you know you're talking to the head coaches here that are going to have to handle and you're saying like oh it doesn't even matter who's handling it because it doesn't matter about the calls or anything um so yeah like that that was one thing i very, very much remembered what, what, uh, what was he meaning that um like essentially no matter what jonathan's gonna win anyways like it's they're kind of looking past you or oh yeah i mean i, I don't necessarily think it was that um I think because we were deciding on, you know, Rodney or Mike, 
handling whoever at the time because it was just like you know me and Kaiko Joey's not there you know I don't have Sean or any other coach at the time um that we had to split them so mm. Joey was saying that okay well I don't really care my lifter's the strongest lifter and it was mm. just like such a such a slap in the face because it was like you have no fucking clue if that's really it like at the, at the time like you know obviously Kaiko's number one not gonna discredit any nine for nine every meet Right, but like you have no idea what it's gonna be like in another eight weeks from now, you know. And so that was like that was a little. Do you, th- little do you think? Line. Do you think that was um, Joey trying to get in your head, trying to be, or do you think he was like, what do you think that was? Because he obviously knew you were on the call, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I mean, to be honest, like I don't think Joey is like 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 that. I think he just says things like naturally like that. Um, I don't think it was like to specifically point and pick on me. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that, it was, it was very funny to me. I don't get like very like offended like that in terms of like, I don't think I can do it now. Cause Joey said that, like, it just right. makes me like, oh, okay. Like that's hilarious that you said that, but you know, I know what I'm capable of. Right. And, and on the day of, before we started warming up, I went over to like Mike and Rodney. I was like, Hey, like, like Chance and Kaiko didn't care about warming up on the same platform together. But I was like, Hey, what's the plan here as far as like the team coaches? You, Cause like for like Jonathan Garcia, uh, my lifter, they want to know all his warmups and attempts and like Mike put in the attempt slips and stuff like that for Kristen Dunsmore, who I was handling. They want to know like her attempts and stuff like that. And so I go, Hey, do you want the same thing for chance? Do you want to know all the chances attempts and all of Kaiko's attempts or should we keep them separate? Blah, blah. And they were like, if you want to tell us all his attempts and stuff like that, you can, if you want to keep them uh, a secret, you can. So I just didn't tell many of the attempts as far as warming up. Um, chances lifter joe jordan was there too helping so between joe me and even like rodney uh, um and and uh, mike were even there you know we were loading up all the warmups and stuff like that and then um a lot of the time like you know obviously they're helping out kaiko since kaiko just had nina there with him not joey so mike wanted to watch over and stuff like that but mike was obviously there to go protest chances calls um that's good so so, so that they, they were more focused on Kaiko and then just watching chance. Cause like they knew, I knew what I was doing uh, until the very end. I told like Mike, Hey, if I need you, uh, will you just put this attempt for me after Kaiko was already done with everything? And he's like, yeah, that's fine. So um, because there's going to be some strategizing, right? There's going to be, there's going to have to be. So you can't really, it'd be tough to like, if both you guys knew each other's numbers, right? Like there's no such thing as putting in, you know, a deadlift opener and changing and having placeholder dead and like different, like, you know, it'd be very difficult if you both all, if everyone knew each other's numbers, cause it was that close. Like it was going to be that close. Like it's been, this is a bitter rivalry. So it'd be difficult to be like, let's all just share our numbers. And what are we going to do here? What do we, you know, yeah. there was some gamesmanship for sure. I, I mean, in this case, we didn't do any of that stuff for chance. But yeah, like as an example for Jonathan Garcia, I had his deadlift opener at 227.5 and then we changed it to 235, but that was the whole plan going in. I told Mike like, Hey, I put a placeholder in. Um, if he's feeling good, we're going to adjust up to 235, but yeah, you wouldn't be able to do that in this scenario and just tell him like, Hey, we're going to put in this fake deadlift <laughs> opener, and bump it up. Meanwhile, he's handling Kaiko. Yeah, thanks, cuz. <laughs> thanks bro. Thanks for letting me know. Chance is like, what the fuck are you doing man you're being way too honest with your boy mike right there like but um yeah i guess so when when chance hits this and you guys are watching are you watching with bated breath let's talk about some of these everyone else's thirds trying to catch up the chance 
um, because this is where the action and, and, you know, some discussion has to happen. So um, Emil, all these guys go, it's essentially, it's coming down to um, Jonathan Keiko pulling for the win. And he had a 335 kilo second and he had a 350 final pull. And then Gustav Hedlund had a 350 final pull. What were you guys doing when you're watching this? Was Hedlund, remind me here, was he pulling for the, well, he wasn't pulling for the win at this point though, was he? he I think he initially had it in and at some point they dropped it down and I told Chance like, oh yeah, Gustav's not going for first. He's like pulling for third. He was pulling for third. That's right, for podium. Because um, I remember there was movement on everybody because Gustav had the advantage of watching and seeing what was going to happen to some people because he's going to pull a little bit later. Um, so he's going to try to pull himself onto the, the podium. But were you guys surprised with Keiko? And obviously, you probably heard there was some confusion with things on Keiko in terms of we should change the last deadlift. We shouldn't. He almost fucking got it. What were your guys' impressions of his deadlift that he put in? Were you surprised he ended up walking out to it? And then watching it, were you like, holy shit, I think he might get this. Uh, Walk us through this. So, I mean, I've, I've seen his deadlifts and it is one of those things where it's like, if you get to this point, okay, you are going to finish the rep. But to me, like the, the jarring, like up and down of like, you know, like almost to the point of hitching, that's where I've seen, like, I don't, I've never seen him get a lift like that where he finishes that rep. So when I was watching that, I was like, oh, I don't think this is good. Like, I don't think he's going to get it. Um, and then especially because, you know, like, again, talking about in training, watching people's training or you know, seeing what they've done. I had never saw anything that would indicate, like, I know what it takes to pull 350. Like, nothing in training, like I saw, indicated that he could pull 350. So I was like, okay, this is a reach. This is definitely a reach. And so in my head, I'm like, he may not get this. And then I saw it. So um, again, it was kind of still processing that this was enough to win. And this is what had to happen. And if he misses this, it's over. And then people were telling me, like, Chance, you won. Like, you won. And yeah, that's where I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> oh, see the thing. So it's, I wasn't sure when it went, like he's hit three forty-seven and a half, and a half, but mm-hmm. that was previous, but you're not like, so he's going for a PR, a modest PR. It, it's reasonable. And mm-hmm. he might be telling himself chances, a monster puller. We got to try to extend him. So it's reasonable, but he hasn't hit it before, but not shitload off. Mm-hmm. It, so I wasn't sure. I thought maybe they might change it. I wasn't sure if they were paying attention to like if certain people hit what or whatever. Like it's the thing right. is you were going to pull last, last regardless. They knew you're going to pull last regardless, right? Um, I think they wanted to see what some of the other contenders might end off with. Fair enough. Uh, but you, I, I knew he was going to end up wanting to pull for that win. So when they didn't change it, were, uh, apparently there was some confusion on the not changing it. Joey would said. Did you catch one of any of the Could you tell there was, some, was it, what was going on in the warm-up room? No, because like you said, it's a really big area. So like James and I for a little while were right by the scoring TV and watching lifting. And the only thing I remember at some point, but I don't know where it was in the timeline of them figuring out the attempt is they were off closer to where our warm-up platform was. And all I heard like Keiko say out loud is like, put whatever on, I'll pull it. Like something like to that effect. So, you know, he obviously felt confident. You know, he makes a lot of attempts. He probably felt his second one move well. And maybe he knew what he needed as far as, like, what to jump back and lead. And he just told him, like, you know, put whatever on, uh, whatever you guys decide, and I'll pull it. Um, so we were, from what I remember, I'm trying to remember how it played out. I was like, yeah, you watched uh, Emil pull for second place. Okay, he's out of it. Then you see um, uh, Gustav drop down, and you're like, okay, 
he may not be going for first place either. So we're like, okay, we just have to worry about Keiko. And then Keiko goes out there and uh, you assume he's going to make it. Because like we said, he makes the nine for nine. He never lived. He never misses. And so I had the paper, I had the paper ready with the weight so that I can give it to Mike to turn it in and go get chance ready. And he misses. And I just like, I like grabbed chance. And I was like, dude, you won. (laughs) So, so like it it was, it was like, it was a little maybe weird or anticlimactic. It's like everyone assumed everyone going at this meet was hyping up. Oh, these guys are going to put up big numbers. Someone's going to break 900 kilo total. Kaiko is going to make nine nine for nine. Chance is going to have to pull for the win. And so we all assume chance will be on the platform. The last deal for the meet pulling for the meat of for the win with the crowd going wild. No one projected that chance would be in the warm up room watching the scoring bo- scoreboard and just be like, Oh, well I won the world title. I think it's just a sportsman. You can't predict it, man. Like, yeah. like that's how sports actually ends up nine times out of 10 is like the most unlikely scenario. Mr. Mr. Perfect. Whom. And, and it's tough. I know I called him that a PA Nats because he, he had that perfect streak. And, um, and I knew like, fuck, this puts a lot of pressure on a young man, but it also builds a fucking mystique and aura. Like when all is said and done, when we look back at the Jonathan Keiko era and you refer to him as Mr. Perfect, it lets people know like, how good was he? He went through a fucking streak of battle after battle after battle at natural level to world. Go ahead, Chance. No, I mean, I was just going to say, like you even said it, like you're building up this mystique and like legend behind it, which I know as a lifter and like, I would never want that. I I would never want anybody to be like Mr. Perfect who goes nine for nine every meet that always wins that never loses. It's like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I don't, here's the thing. That's such a, like a title to live up to that. There's no way. Like, even if you say like, now this is, this is the end of the Kaiko era. And you're saying now it's the chance. It's like, no, I don't want that either. (laughs) It's It's the toughest. Here's the thing. Um, as a sports fan and, uh, when you're building, hype and you're building these things on i know it's tough on the athletes but this is actually what builds it like whenever there's a streak in any sport a home run streak uh a win streak or whatever everyone all of a sudden starts getting on like how fucking far can you push this home this is what brought baseball back is a home run streak that wasn't going to be bad that wasn't going to lose or like win streaks when somebody's on a win streak or whatnot and i know there are there are athletes who have talked about in specific sports where they go on crazy streaks, crazy runs, and then the media starts piling, the public who doesn't give a fuck about your sport starts going to back to work on Monday being like, did you hear about the fucking streak that this golfer's on, that this whatever? And people are like, it's fucking unprecedented. And I know this as a fan of major sport. So when I see this, I did this with Gladkick at Worlds, and I did this with Keiko, calling them both Mr. Perfect. I realize the pressure, but I also realize I'm bringing intrigue. So when the world champion is not just the world champion, but he's also Mr. Perfect. And at the background story, it's been three years, not a single miss showdown after showdown, win after win. It makes it that it makes it that standing room only hype. And here we are. It's come down to, he's going to pull for the win and he never fucking misses. That's, I know it's hard, but it like doggy, it's yeah. what I, I it's what I gotta do. <laughs> it's I mean, do, do you guys watch college football at all? Um yeah, I, I don't, but yeah. So like I mean, I remember so many years of Alabama being, you know, number one that's always undefeated, and then they play some unranked school or whatever, and you know the unranked school or or even if it's not unranked, but top twenty-five school or whatever is 
you know, this is our chance. Like we can make this upset and there's no, there's no risk for them. Like they're not in this position of pressure. Like they just get to go in and if they lose, well, they're expected to lose. So it doesn't right. matter. Right. And if they win, they're the fucking man. Everything's crazy. And you know, it's this huge hype. Uh, so I mean, it's good for me. Like I liked it when I was hearing you guys be like, oh yeah, chance may, you know, end up off the podium. And even though he's, he's nominated second, you know, there's no, there's nothing that indicates that he'd be able to beat him. Like, I like that because it, it takes the pressure away from me. And even if I lose, like, cool. Like, I was expected to lose. Well, and it was funny because I, I remember Rory, and I'm, not, I'm surprised Rory's not on this this call with us, but I remember Rory, Rory came up to me at, at the meet. He's like, yeah, you know, Chance, like, everybody looks good, but, you know, you're not going to finish up on the podium. Um, he said something like that, and I was like, okay, like, whatever. But, like, for me, that actually, like, is good because, you know, again, it takes the pressure off me. It, it um, was it? Was it you that he had that stat about 10% hitting the last deadlift or was that Gustav? I think it's Gustav. That's right? Gustav. That's yeah. right. Um, which is a crazy stat, but I, I guess it's true because Gustav misses third again here. And I do want to say though about the Gustav two and the other sumo deadlifters, like I didn't see anybody have a good day on sumo. Like everybody had to deal with that. I remember Alexander Erickson, he, he posted about it too days, you know, um, before competing um, than I did. Like, he had to deal with that too. Why were people rolling the bar all over the place? Is because you had to stand in those positions and the bar and the, the platform is just completely ruined. So I didn't see anybody have a good day. So I don't wanna you know, harp on him because I think his deadlift probably would have been pretty good. You know, 10% is rough though. <laughs> 10% is not great. That would like, he's, the thing is he's always in the mix. Mm -hmm. um, he just got up fucking nailed that last deadlift and and when he went against Keiko with 352 and a half last worlds like the worlds before last he he had it up to his knees and like he got pulled out of position but it looked good like it it's within reason you saw it and you're like if he told you in six months I'll get that you're like yeah I could believe that that's not a bullshit answer here we are 350 and he missed it it was less and he still had he's still missing and it's like fuck me you gotta get if he starts hitting if he starts hitting his third deads it could be a game changer for a man. You could gain so much in the deadlift event if you got a decent dead. He doesn't have a you dead, but he's got a good dead. Um, yeah, it is what it is. Now, having said that, go ahead, Aaron. It, Chance, is Ryan's audio messed up for you or just me? Uh, I think it's just you. He sounds good to me. Okay, okay. Maybe something with mine. Go ahead. Um, can you hear him? Yeah, maybe something, something my internet. You guys can keep going. Okay, okay. Um, so I was going to say, so now you find out you're the world champion. And I had been, look at man, I, I, my job is the hype and it continues on when we get into there, into the, the live streams. And I was calling you the deadlift demon and the whole, uh, you know, three Sundays left, go to church, find God, the deadlift demon's coming. I was hyping this shit up like crazy. And it happened, man. And you didn't have to like unholster a massive last pull to do it. You won on on your second. So you win the world championships and you fulfill your dream when you're on the podium and you're hearing your American national anthem playing and the president puts the gold medal around your neck and everybody on the Olympic channels watching and the whole died. What are you thinking at this point? I mean, let's, let's go back to that third deadlift sure. because yeah. um, I knew like, I, I didn't, I wasn't thinking about this at the time. I wanted to just, you know, crush it, but it was actually good that I missed it. Like based off the Sheffield, if you see how Sheffield works and me getting that, that spot for Sheffield, 
that means the total is less. And that means that the margin that I can increase the total by is bigger because of that. So that made a huge difference that I, missed, you that I missed that. I'm yeah, because you should have gave a couple of tugs, Mick. Oops. See you in Sheffield, motherfucker. Yeah, so that that was big. Go ahead, Ari. Go ahead. No, I was I was gonna say what I remember from that very end was like I had already kind of talked to Chance, like, hey, if they all miss and you already have the win, what do you want? And he's like 383.5. And so everyone missed everything like that. So we had 383.5 in and we're getting chance ready. And then Joe Jordan comes over to me real quick and he goes, Hey, what about the best lifter? Chance is right behind Taylor. And I hadn't been even thinking about it with all the craziness that was going on. And, and the goal was winning the world title. For sure. I wasn't looking, I wasn't looking at best lifter and I was like, Oh shit. So I pulled my phone real quick and trying to figure out the, the points for, for the 383.5, what his total would be. And I was like, okay, it would be enough. I didn't see what was the minimum. I guess the minimum he needed was 381 instead of 383.5. Um, so, I just told him like, Hey, listen, you go out there, bump up the world record deadlift and the total and win best lifter. Um, and so that would have been a benefit, obviously, if you had gotten it, but yeah, the benefit now is that for Sheffield, it'll be a little bit easier. Like if, if we're honest, nobody would have thought like a chance already said this, but it was going to end up it's, it's wrapped up on the second dead. And it wasn't mm -hmm. like, that was not awesome. Like you wouldn't think, well, we'll slow it up by the second dead. And by the third dead, we're going after Taylor. Like that's a really, yeah. Yeah, if you would have said, "Oh, Chance is gonna win with a six for nine day," and Kaiko goes eight for eight for eight, and you know then misses his third and he loses on the second, you know, with me only getting the second, there's like no way is that gonna happen. Yeah. Like you know, it, and it's great, but um, yeah, I mean the Sheffield thing, I, I didn't think about it until after, and then looking at you know the roster, I don't know if you guys have seen the roster yet. Um, it makes a huge difference for me. Like I'm up there in terms of the payout stuff. If you know, everything goes well. So when yeah, you I mean, went, sorry, go ahead, Aaron. I, I was just going to run through it real quick. Like thinking about like the 59 is not going to break the world record. Uh, mm -hmm. Eddie is going to have difficulty since he just broke it. And then Kyoto is going to have difficulty breaking it. Um, Taylor obviously has the best chance because it's so low. Um, Delaney's behind Russ's world record. Um, and then you guys, and then 105s um, is uh, a meal. Yeah. And, he, and he's behind Anatoly's record. And By then, um, the guy from Algeria is like way behind Dennis's and then Jesus, you know, he had the back tweak and he had a low performance, but he has potential to break it. But the thing is like, if Jesus breaks it by five kilos and chance breaks it by five kilos, chances mm -hmm. percentage is going to be higher. So even, even if you put them up there, you know, it's going to be Taylor then like chance and Jesus, and then maybe like a, uh, a Eddie up there. Right. You and Jesus doesn't have a spot yet. He, yeah, he doesn't, but uh, I'm pretty Probably. sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, who knows, man? This is that was very interesting. Before we talk about worlds as a whole, and we start talking stories and backstories and all the rest mm -hmm. of it, and, and since winning worlds, what, what life is like right now. So tell me though, when you find out you won world championships, you're going to Sheffield, uh, you're invited to the biggest meet in powerlifting. What are you thinking? Are you like when it dawns on you and you hear that American anthem? Yeah, I mean, it, again, it was like still processing it because I didn't really believe that it was gonna happen. Like it's gonna happen, and then especially with the day and how everything went, that I would win. Um, you know, when I was up on the podium, you know, like the longer I was up there, I was like, oh, it was sinking in, and I was like in my head, starting to like feel the gravity of the situation. Um, but yeah, it was just it was it was wild. I didn't think about you know what Sheffield meant and everything else that comes after that. Uh, but yeah, new, new territory for me.
Like Win- winning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your post is amazing. You said you made a post and um, you said, listen, I took L after L after L for years. And now I'm a world champion. And you're, and it was a picture of you as a world champion. You're now you're going to the, the competition. Everybody wants to be able to go to, and everybody wants to be a part of those, you know, when people tune in and it's the first and whatever. It, people don't realize how like some people like fucking have been working so hard and got so close so many times. And sometimes you finish second, sometimes you finish well far back. And now you're number one and you won the world championships. When I read your caption on that, it's like, it is like that Rocky, that Rocky story. You know what I mean? Like you did come up like that. Like um, it was inspirational, man. Like you, you have for years been like just in there in the top five, but never like the number one cat. And now this is your fucking moment and you got the gold medal and you're going to be in the biggest show. Uh, I was looking at your open powerlifting chance. Did you used to compete in USPA as well? I competed in USPA. I competed in NASA. I competed in Metroflex uh, Federation. I competed in a lot of like feds that don't exist anymore. That was back in the day. And there's a couple that aren't even on open powerlifting. Okay. I was looking at that. Yeah, because like 2014 chance does like ipl worlds and gets second place so even in another federation he's getting second first usapl nationals 2015 got 10th place you know in 2016 13th place so like it's it's always great to hear the stories of like uh you know taylor atwood going like his first nationals winning or like jen milliken showing up to her first usapl nationals winning and winning best lifter then going to worlds and winning her first worlds and winning best lifter and i was like holy crap but then it's like a whole different story of hearing someone who's been competing you know uh like a uh since 2014 or even before that and you know coming up 10th place 13th place um going to napf like as uh, as in the open getting second place in north america and just continuing to build up towards this moment yeah i mean go ahead ryan you can go ahead i was gonna like the in the rocky movie that the one guy mickey's <laughs> telling rocky if it was gonna happen it would have happened by now and, and th- this is like something everybody faces at some point in their life. Like you will have friends, family, whatever, whatever you're chasing, whatever dream you're chasing, people will eventually look at you and be like, are you still on about that? And you'll have moments where you're like by yourself being like, am I fucking crazy? Like mm-hmm. it, this isn't going to happen, is it? This just isn't going to be me. I got to be happy with just showing up. I got to be happy with being a, being a part at Worlds or maybe meddling. Or am I crazy? Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is for me, it's like, I've been in this in USAPL or even just powerlifting in general for like a lot of my adult life now. And I've had so many, you know, friendships, relationships, you know, everything within this time of me, you know, being in powerlifting um, and people come and go. Like there's so many people that, you know, do powerlifting for a couple of years and then they're like, okay, I'm kind of like bored of this or they start a, like a family and they kind of have different priorities in life. And like you said, it's like, you're still kind of on this thing. It's like, yeah, like I've, I've been here. I've like put in so much time that it feels like a waste to like, you know, completely divert all my effort to something else. Like, you know, the sun, uh, you know, cost or time fallacy. It's like this, it feels like a waste for me to do that. And I, I put so much effort in, I put in, you know, like I've gotten like huge, like catastrophic type injuries and, you know, restarted and came back from like, you know, ground zero again, um, that, you know, like I've, I've been there, like I've been there through people, like my friends, just not being into powerlifting anymore and being done. And I've had to like find myself through it again and again and again, um, and somehow still continue. 
Um, so it was, yeah, I mean, it's pretty emotional even talk, talking about it because like at this point in my life, I can't imagine what my life would have been like if I didn't do all of these things. They say like courage is, um, is facing like defeat again and again, but keep coming back with the same enthusiasm like you never lost. And that's easier said than done. A lot of people can be like, you take L's and you keep coming back, but you're diminished. You don't believe as much. You could keep coming back. That's fine. A lot of people could keep coming back, but you've changed. The same kid who was like, this is my dream. I'm going to do it. And you're brave enough to say it out loud. I'm going to be a world champion. I want this. By the time 10 years deep, L after L, that same kid gets diminished. You're still showing up, but you're not that same fucking kid as you were year one, year two. You got humbled. You got humbled. Reality gave you a check. That's why it's special for that one kid like Chance Mitchell, who mm-hmm. 10 years, man, and you just fucking keep slugging away the, the rotation of people coming and going. And some people never made it and kept falling short. And you inside were like, am I fucking crazy? But I still believe I could do this. Like, and I'm getting closer after 10 years. And that saying, like, if you would have done it, if you're going to do it, you would have done it already. And you're like, but maybe not. And the guy who kept beating you before, he's there again. And you're like, doesn't matter. This time will be different. It's fucking difficult, man. And for you to like do what you did and be like, I fucking am not crazy. Like this is possible. And now for the rest of your life, you're a world champion. Nobody can ever take this away from you. Every conversation you've had, every podcast you do, every seminar you do, speaking engagement, every time you make an appearance, that is 2022 world champion chance mitchell that happened there is no taking away that 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 credit's yours this is it man it's it's like it's 10 years in the making and it'll never wash away it's it's fucking hats off to you man you earned it i'm happy for you i know what it meant to you and um you'll start it'll start sinking in when like for here on out people want to take a picture with you and people like holy fuck there's world champion chance mitchell and everyone knows how hard it is to win a world title man Anyone who doesn't know, like, try it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I even say this because, like, Arian knew me back then, like, 2014, 2015, uh, probably closer to, like, 2015. And I was not good. Like, I, even at the time, like, and I want to just be, like, transparent about this because at the time, like, I felt like I was better than I was and I wasn't, like, that level. I was cocky, arrogant, like, junior lifter that didn't really know his place. Um, and, you know, it took time to get to that point and mature and, you know, it's, it's emotional for me to talk about because I know, like, I know some of the people that at that time, they didn't, you know, respect me in that way that I felt like I should have been respected. And I didn't earn it. And you know, I didn't put in any of the time or go through a lot of the injuries that so many people have. Um, and so now at this point, I finally feel like I'm like that level of a lifter and that I earned my place. And it's not this like um, imposter syndrome type feeling of being this, I'm this elite level. Li- it's like, no, I am now. Like I, I, I did it. I finally have done it. You know. And and is it probably better that you you had to go like you didn't get it? If you would have got it then, it's probably better you got it when you're mature as a person, an athlete. All the trials and tribulations. Now you're like, now I'm gonna be able to handle this. Now I have a perspective on it. Now mm-hmm. I can. Whereas if I got it too soon, where some some athletes you see in other sports get it too soon, too easy. Yeah, I mean like. You know, with Arian, I was going to say is like he, he knew me back when like I 
couldn't bench over 300 pounds. Like when I was missing like 280 ish pounds, you know, in multiple meets when I was, you know, barely squat, you know, squatting lower 500s. And now these are like numbers that everybody has yeah. at 83. I was just going to say, yeah, I, I knew Chance when he was in 83 and like his numbers weren't progressing as much. And then he went up to 93 and his numbers shot up. And the, and the interesting thing is the first international team Chance was on was the NAPF team. And back then, Mike Zawolinski was the head coach for that team. And he told, and I was an assistant. He's like, Aaron, just build the raw team for me. He was focused more on the quip side. He's like, Aaron, you know the raw lifters. Go talk to people, fill out this team. And so I got chance on that NAPF team. And so now all these years later, whatever, six years later, Mike's the head coach. Chance is on the team for Worlds, and I'm there handling them. Funny how things come <laughs> back around, man. Funny how things come back around. Um so after you won and, and, you know, things are starting to sink in where it's like, holy shit, I actually accomplished my goal. What is, what is some of the feedback? Like when you talk to your friends, your family, social media, um, everybody knows about you. I know like when I see it on social media posting, everybody's all excited. Like fucking, I take those pictures about, um, it was cause the same session as you and Jess and the yeah. deadlifters, the deadlifters got their revenge. Everybody's talking about, I don't think you guys are specialists, to be honest. Like you guys are phenomenal <laughs> squats. You both, you both, you both got hurting on the bench press, which which is all right. So yeah, I would say total three lift artists, but uh, but the posts that make the deadlifters delight. You know, the deadlifters reign supreme. You guys are, you know, showing your arm length in the casino and always been on the deadlifter right. Um, but how how did it feel afterwards and the reception now that you're home, talking to friends, talking to family, coworkers, and all the rest of it? Yeah, I mean, because of like Instagram, social media and everybody posting, you know, so much, I don't like, I'm sure you get like, especially you with the King of the Lifts, you see how many mentions you can have in a specific time. It gets very overwhelming right. seeing all that, especially like one surge of it. So many messages get lost because it's like, there's no way to, to filter out that out well. Um, so that was pretty overwhelming. You know, I had like so many texts from people that I didn't even remember the, the number uh, coming in. Like, I, like, you know, it's just congratulations, blah, blah, blah. And it was cool. I mean, especially because this is kind of funny. It's like, you know, the general population that's not into powerlifting, they don't really know the difference between like powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, the Olympic stuff. But when I post like, oh, this is Olympics, it's on the Olympics. They think this is all, oh, this is the biggest thing ever. So <laughs> they're like, they're even more, you know, hype for it and like, wow, like this is chance like this. Done. And so there's kind of a little, little bit of imposter syndrome, even in that, because it's like, it's not really the Olympics here. Okay. But well, it's the um, Olympic channel is recognized yeah, yeah, by yeah. the Olympics. I mean, there was a lot of that, that was very wild to see. Um, so it's, it's been great so far, but it is one of those things. Now it's look now that you get the number one spot and keep in mind, like, the head-to-head -head matchups was so close like the kilos and the totals were so close but yet i managed to be number one where it could have been any other person in any situation um now i have to you know create d distance between myself and everybody else. like I, it's now it's like okay chance like you're number one now we have to pick you because you won and right. prove this right so now it's like the expectations are even higher the pressure is even higher you know what i have to do to get better at this point uh, it's <laughs> I already trained for like four hours, five hours sometimes um, each day. It's like now, you know, what do I have to do to get better? And so I do like it because it is this, you know, foreign position that I've never been in. But now, like if I was 110 percent in power, I think I'm 150 percent now, you know. 
I was just going to add on to that about the one about the whole Delo specialist. Like, um, I, I forgot who it was, is discussed. Like, I maybe Pete I mentioned too, is like, you can no longer be like a one lift specialist to come into win worlds. You have to be like good at two or maybe even good at three because it's just getting ridiculous. And like with Jess, she broke the world record squad as well. Right. And with, and with Chance, he squatted 315. The world record is 331 by Anatoly. So he's not even like that far away from a world record squad. And he has the world record Dell for it. Um, but so, I, didn't, I didn't podium on, on squat though. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's but, true. But, but I'm saying it's like it's like less ground that someone like Gavin right. can have when Chance is squatting 315. Let's say Chance gets to 320 and so that's on. And, and, uh, and, and so like that, like they're no longer just Della specialists. You have to be, you know, good all around or at least like really, really good in two of them. Um, and I just want to mention as well as like a special moment. I don't know if any other of Chance's family members were there, but Chance's mom was there watching too. So that was uh, probably great oh, no for her to watch it. Shit, dude. Yeah. So there's a couple people in the crowd that, you know, were cheering for me, obviously. And, you know, I think like my mom said, oh, that's that's my son or whatever to, to one of them. And they were kind of explaining that to her, like the what was happening. And the, oh, hey, Chance won. Like he actually won. She's like, no, no, no. And, <laughs> and they're like, no, he, he won. He won. And she's she got pretty emotional, you know, after that. So that was very good to, to see that she came in the back. Um, she was kind of tearing up and, and I, you know, I gave her a hug and everything. It's like, yeah, it's, it's real. I won. Uh, and then like <laughs> one of my lifters, Yuki was like, he came running in the back as if he's like my mom, like he's crying, he's tears running over to me. I can't believe you won. I can't believe it. And so like, I give him a hug and that, that was pretty good. There's an, also a good picture of, of me and Mike to share, um, afterwards he gave me a hug and like, congratulations, man. It, it was so much, you know, very positive, you know, very, um, welcoming messages, even Rory or something. I think afterwards was like. You know, hey man, like respect to you, like you know, I didn't pick you, or whatever, but you, congratulations. You know, this is like, all right, it's cool. It's the crow. You got to eat the crow. <laughs> Here it is, man. In sports, like, um, you're not gonna get all the picks right, but you got to. Right. In my experience, having done this for so long, you just take your fucking crow and eat it, and give that young man or young lady their hats off because you know, like, fuck, man, it could mean it means so much, man. And like, it's it's amazing that your mom. I can't imagine having a son seeing him up on that podium as the American anthem's playing and like the gold medal across her chest and like knowing everything it means to your kid and watching him win the world championships. And she'll remember like for the past decade, her, all your friends yeah. and family probably yeah. identify you with weightlifting. And they probably, when they think weightlifting, they think you, when they think you would think weightlifting. And then for her to see you on the podium as a world champion, it's probably huge, man. For right. her, she's probably like, holy shit, this is the wildest. It, it is one of those things too with powerlifting that like your family and friends, they're like, oh, okay, that's cool that you do that. And then it's like different when they see something like that. And it's like, oh no, like this is for real. You know, this is a whole different thing and they're serious about it. And, you know, it's kind of that recognition that, you know, all the work that you put in is, is realized, you know? Well, I mean, just her in the crowd when they, she heard the reception of the crowd when you're fucking squatting and deadlifting and when you went oh when you hit that third yeah. squat you ducked under the bar and cut towards the crowd the crowd was like <laughs> whoa the crowd was coming at you you were coming at the crowd she was probably like holy shit my son is like got these people in their feet mm -hmm. uh, i was just gonna say she, she probably thought like okay all the money i spent on chance is worth it <laughs> on powerlifting uh yeah uh I, I also have to mention too since people people always ask and uh it, it's good to talk about is that uh, Chance and I think Keiko both got picked for drug testing and they did both like urine and blood test on them. So after they mm -hmm. were done, 
they had to stick around for a while. I think Keiko went first. The chance had to just stand around and wait to finally get his test done. They got Keiko a lot. Like they got him back to back in the same week leading up to it too. I mean, he keeps winning. He's going to get like, he, he looks like, like he's winning all the time. Like he, he's a fucking monster. So it makes sense. But, um, and just because, like, he, bo- he broke the bench roll record, Chance broke the deadlift in the total, Gavin didn't break the squat, and uh, so they, I guess they just picked those two. Yeah. I-, I would like to say, though, that I think, like, it's good that, you know, you keep drug testing the winners and stuff, uh, but and I'm not going to say any names or anything, but I definitely think there's some people that they definitely have to to do a little bit better job of picking um, some of the people because, you know, after Kaiko's been drug tested, you know, hundreds of times or whatever it is, so, okay, like, you know, maybe you don't have to do the, the sixth one in the last two months. Maybe we could pick somebody else. Because um, at a meet like this, yeah, there's a lot of people that kind of go under the radar because they don't necessarily quite hit X number. Um, mm. And that is something that I do want to say, like, and I want to be very public about this. Um, I would love to see even more drug testing and making sure that, like, especially at the money meets, like at the Sheffield stuff, like if they're paying out to top 10, there's no reason why, you know, all top 10 shouldn't get drug tested, right? Like if they have to eat a little bit of money because they're making sure that everybody gets drug tested for big prize money, then they definitely should do that. One thing I do like too, that they're doing is if you have a doping infraction, um, that was, I, I think it's two years, which is where that's because there's under two years, I think a stims don't quote me on this, but I believe something like that. They, they pick the number that it's actually one of the harsher um, you know, it's not like a, you did a pre-workout and it fucking had a stim in it and you're like, oh shit, um, right. you're not going to get invited, which I do like that about Sheffield as well, where they're like, um, not just at Sheffield, but leading up to, you mm, got a history yeah. with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know how they're going to do that, but it is an interesting thing to throw out there because yeah, it is fewer people and, um, and they got money. So who knows what they'll end up doing? Uh, and there'll be world records flying around too. I know they take it seriously because they put mm-hmm. something like that in the qualifications. So who knows what they're, what they're planning on doing. Uh, yeah. That's a good question. Uh, I was going to say, if you're throwing almost like a combined like million dollars at this thing with expenses and prizes and all that stuff, bringing in referees and all stuff like that, like, yeah, the line item for 20 drug tests is not that much, especially because you're only paying once for the people to come in and then you're paying less per test. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, what they could also do is like, they can work with the IPF to like put them in the testing pool to like, out of meat test some of these people going in and then in mm. meat test some people th- there. Well, I, the thing, I think because they're uh, inner, because they're like world champions or regional, they're, they should be in the testing pool already, I believe. I don't know how long that, how that runs for. Um, and, and, and it depends because they only have a certain number of, IPF only has a certain number of spots and it's also raw and equipped and bench and three lift. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested in looking into that to see. Because I know they took, like, they went to Bulgaria to get a male and blood tested him. They went to Poland to get Agatha and blood tested her. So they'll travel around. I don't know if, um, like, a male and Agatha are going to this one. But, Mm -hmm. yeah. I also want to be clear that I haven't been OMT'd ever. And I think that's probably a good idea that I get OMT'd. Like, just throwing it out there. It's like, probably gonna change now. Well, I mean, I hope. But I don't know what they're doing about stuff like that. Well, they are. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it's uh, when it was like USAPL, it's different because they were focusing more towards the end on national teams and especially the world. So like once you got Mm -hmm. accepted to the world, let's say in January, between January and June, they would out of meet test you. And so if you never made it to that team, 
Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't testing you. And, and the years before, like I was on NAPF team before as well, and I've never been tested in meat or out of meat. Um, so it just depends on on the scenario. So yeah, maybe now they'll get you six times in the next 12 months. You might mm-hmm. be careful what you look for because I know. Um... But I, I want that because it's like, you know, I went on that podcast with Pete Rubish and we were talking about drug testing stuff and all that and, you know, blood tests and urine tele- tests. And he was kind of saying that like, oh, you know, who at Raw Nationals even got tested? And he was thinking that there's like not many people that got drug tested. It's like, no, there's a lot of people that got drug tested, you know, out, outside of our general like sphere. Um, a lot of people think that, uh, you know, so many of the IPF guys are, are dirty lifters. And I believe there are some, but like, you know, there's no way to know, you know, who, unless we're getting more tests. And I do not want to be one of those that's you know, well, Chance never got drug tested or, you know, it's like, no, like I want to be drug tested. Please go drug test me. Yeah. yeah it's, it's in when they start taking blood, what they do is cause we had a, an anti-doping mm-hmm. um, expert on a, way, a little ways back and um, it's a good podcast. I don't know if you heard it, but I could send it to you anyways. And he yeah. talks about how you get like a blood passport where, uh, where they start, once they get your blood, the water, now they're going to start probably coming back around because they get your baseline levels and now they can see if there's changes. And that's really what blood can indicate. So if they took your blood, more than likely now they're on your radar. So that's why a Keiko, the reason why they might've got him so many times in a row isn't because like, will we catch you this time? It's more things shouldn't should only change within certain ranges and if something's mm. different it's a flag so now and it takes only through data collection can it work right and kaiko kept winning so it made sense to like go after him but now that you've won and then they took your blood i would be i i'm guessing that they're going to start putting a blood passport like a, a passport together for you on the mm. end where Good. they're going to start looking at these different ranges and we'll see what happens and you'll probably fail and not be at sheffield so i'm gonna <laughs> 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 so this will come back to get you that, but, that, uh, that that or they're building some kind of palfing monster like okay we got kaiko for the bench we that's got right for the this is all they're building a clones <laughs> this is water has a clone an army of clones and her amazing deadlifter squatters and bench pressers yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that I, I would look at is like people's progress and where you see just random like surges of progress. I think that like that is the best way or even just like the look of people, you know, you can kind of tell a little bit more with that. But um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, when I benched 227 out of nowhere, then that's when you should be They're like, oh, hello. I think we got out of the OMT. Uh, yeah. You want to get right. OMT bench 227. All of a sudden they're like, OK. Um, yeah. But yeah. So how excited are you? Oh, well, first off, um what about let's let's talk about the reception and everything about uh mm. like becoming right. a world champion is it everything you thought it would be and um you know penna was talking to me about like he shows me his dms after world championships or whatnot like mm. this has got to impact coaching services and like everything man from here on out it things got to get a little bit easier when you make your money off of powerlifting yeah definitely it is one of those things where um you know the coaching queries come in and kind of like now getting back through South Africa, it's like, okay, now we're getting through all this stuff, processing new people. And, um, you know, it is one of those things now where so many outside things coming in that it's like, it's going to be more difficult to focus on like, Hey, I was training. This is like my five hour block of training. Got to focus on this. Um, I can't let off that. And I can't let off the gas in terms of what made me get to this point, you know? Yeah. 
And I mean, everything from like the podcast to your coaching services, to team Nori, how happy are they that now they got a world champion under them? Oh yeah. Sean, Sean sent me a message like right as it happened, like, bro, I'm so happy for you. Like I'm like literally so emotional. I can't, you know, um, for him, like seeing something like that, it's like, yeah, like, you know, chances who we thought, thought he was and that like, I'm right. It, it's almost like where, you know, you see people like athletes or whatever saying like, oh, I'm trying to prove all the haters wrong and stuff like that. It's like, no, it, it's trying to prove the people that supported you right, like 100%. And so like, to me, it feels like very, very um, like, like, yeah, I am this person. I am who I said I am or who I, you know, am putting myself out there to be. That means a whole lot more in terms of like motivation. I'm that guy too, who like, I'm not that guy who I'm trying to tr- prove the haters wrong. I right. never, I don't relate to that negative motivation. I'm mm. also the guy who's like, I want to prove the people who see something in me, right? The people right. who like, like that means so much more than being like, I fucking told you. Or right. it means more to get, <laughs> you know what I mean? It means yeah. more to get an email or a voicemail or a call from someone who's like, I fucking knew it, man. Mm-hmm. I that it. Those, those are the ones that hit the hardest for oh, sure. Oh, dude, are you kidding me? They could break. They could break a grown man down. Because I've had like people that like have known me since like you know talking about like Arian's time or before, and they're like, I knew you would always you know be in this position. I knew you would finally do it. Like those are the ones. It's like that means something. Where because it's like yeah, it's not like proving them wrong. It's proving that you know no matter how outlandish their you know idea of me being in that position was it was real and they, and I did it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. It's gotta be fucking <laughs> dude. You're a world champion, man. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, so now it's, and, and it was a meat, man. It was a meat that was not like, you know, a good meat. I mean, not many people had a really good meat. And so to me, it's like, okay, there's that adversity there. And it's, you know, not just, you know, the best total ever. It's like, you did it at this you know, situation, you know? Try having a best total ever when you do 32 or more hours flight, multiple time zone changes, um, and world, the IPF world's calling you. If you think that's, you know, you think you're deep enough, all of a sudden you find out you're not, or you're not gripping the bar enough, or your knees aren't low, everything that fucking happens, it's different, man. And one through six are killers. One through six are absolute killers. Either they've won world titles in the opener or, or uh, juniors, or they've won like like all of them, like from Emil to Gavin to Gustav to fucking all these guys. Like actually not Emil, but those all those got the guys who have broken or won world titles. And Emil, he's broken like he's won European and shit like that. So like all these guys are killers. Mm-hmm. People don't fully like can't recognize that you know that it's it's not the same. Um, and your total is not going to be the same and you, it, you can't compare it to a domestic total with all due yeah. respect to domestic totals. It's mm-hmm. easier, man. Keiko's biggest total ever was at a local competition, but do you think Keiko gives a fuck about that compared to winning world titles or right. he would give that total up it to win that world championship that we just had for sure. Obviously mm-hmm. it's just a number. The number doesn't matter, man. It's the and win. It's, and it, it's true about like the percentage, in, you know, decrease from all the variables that come into play, you know, traveling 24 plus hours. Um, some people just don't even get to train on their normal days because they're obviously flying in the air. Like you can't just like stop in Germany, you know, on your connecting flight and go train at whatever gym and try to make it back. Like, no, like you're just screwed that day. You have to eat that training session and know that like, hey, you're just going to show up to the meet anyways. 
um, regardless of any other weird situation where monkeys are stealing your pre-workout and, you know, you know, anything else that comes up. <laughs> Had to drop the monkeys. <laughs> Dude, it was such a good, like, the world was such a good experience, though, man. Like, yeah. seeing everybody and, like, you're never going to fucking forget this, man. The whole experience is the wildest. Yeah. Do you see the, the the picture that I posted? The monkey with the singlet on and the pre-workout and everything? It was pretty good. Yeah, I see it, man. The, <laughs> the bees are amazing. Oh, and, yeah. And the I am with post I made, and someone put I am with monkey, and it was like, <laughs> yeah. it was like he's crushing the 93s. First, he got through Gavin. Now he's working his way through. Yeah. Yeah, it was wild, man. Um, so what about Sheffield? Are you making plans for Sheffield? Are you are you looking like it's the blocks already started now? We're like, all right, let's fucking tackle this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sheffield's still a ways away, right? Like it's in March of next year. I know. That's what, um, that's what I was gonna ask. Like, are you gonna do another meet in between? Right. So my thought process was, I was trying to ask around to see if I could do another international meet, um, and like go to like London or something and do the Arnold UK or do uh, some other random like. I don't know any Pacific Invitational or some other IPF meet. You know now that now, yeah, well I don't know about that. Can I don't even can I do that? I don't think so. As a guest, probably. As a guest, I, they, okay. They, they've had guest lifters, yeah. Which one do you say? I think they would love. I think they would love a world champion as a guest lifter. It only brings more world class. Yeah. Which one were you saying, Ryan? European Championships. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say yeah, it's possible because like we've had people from Europe come before and, and guests left at North Americans. Like they were coming for vacation, right. they competed. I can make inquiries. Okay, because that is something I, I want more experience internationally um, and know like a worst case situation and all that kind of stuff. Um, maybe over you know a local meet and putting up a giant total. The thing is though, like it needs to be, it needs to be almost as a guess because I don't want to push up the total world record anymore. I want it to stay lower so it can be for Sheffield. Um, and that is something, right? Like at Europeans, Gustav and Sasha probably, and who else is going to be there? Emil, um, they have a chance to push the record up, which is not good for me because, you know, I'll have to push that up even more to have a better placing at, at uh, Sheffield. You got to you you message. It. You got to message me. Fellas, calm the fuck down. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's, all right. let's, let's not jump off here. Let's just, let's just cruise to a win or yeah, exactly. Like, That's like, why like, you got to show, like, you got to show up to almost lower the tension a little joke around, take him a, <laughs> take him a drink in the night before you're right, there to right. sabotage people's day. So you show up a Europeans for that, if nothing else. Yeah. Or, or just like tell them to like do a, a big deadlift in the warm up room afterwards and like that. But, yeah. but for these international meets, even, even if you are a guest lifter, you can mm -hmm. still break world records. So that's something you have to look uh. into is, uh, is maybe go to a meet where you can't break world records or maybe, uh, you know, just weigh in 93.1 or something like that. That's true. Mm -hmm. You could practice the cut, but sign up as a small one Oh five and right. just fucking go all out then. You're right though. The more, um, the more you get acclimatized, like having to travel multiple time zones and weighing in and when the world class, like it's going to be international standard judging, the better you're going to be suited for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, dude, they, they would absolutely love after you win the world championships, they would love you at Europeans and Europeans will have like the return of Anatoly, the return of Leah Babwa, the return of Corolla Gara, the return of like so many world champions are going to be there. You were you with that mix? Euros is getting big, man. I want to I want to go to Japan or something. Do a, a guest lifting at some Japan meet or something. That would be pretty cool, dude. If you showed up in Asia, they would love yeah. you. Yeah, 
Uh, I was going to say that the Asian championships. They'd be like, holy shit. We got chance Mitchell, the deadlift demons here. I don't, I don't see anything as like an international beat, but they have like a Asian Pacific championship in Hong Kong in September. Mm, okay. The, when's okay. the Asian championships? Uh, yeah. That's what I think every year it says Asian dash Pacific championships. So I'm guessing that w- that's what it is. And then Oceania is in October and then Europeans is end of November, beginning of December. So it's, that is the Asian, the Asian is the Asian Pacific. Then. Um, yeah. yeah. Fuck whatever, man, that'd be dope. Or do you think you might do that one? It seems close though. I want to do something October, November at the latest. Um, because I, I like I the way I train, I train to be ready. I don't like do a huge, you know, off season block of just like one time a week tempo squat. Like I train hard, right? You know, consistently. Um, and I like staying ready. So that is something that I definitely want to do. It just depends on the situation. And you got to stay healthy for fuck's sake. You can't That's miss true. Sheffield. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot miss Sheffield, man. Yeah, you can always find like a local meet or something. Like you can see like what your boys in Dubai are doing or something like go back there. True, 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 true. Yeah. What what is, what is what are is there anything else that happened at Worlds that you think is noteworthy? Um, what, what oh is, yeah. Do, okay, let's go. Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty. Um, okay. <laughs> can we pause for a second? I have to piss. So bad. Yeah, let's do this. I'm gonna grab some water. <laughs> okay. All right. Perfect. Okay, we're back. Let's talk about some stories. Where, where, do, <laughs> where do we start, sir? I mean, there are so many stories. Are we talking about pre-meet? Are we talking about... Let's do know? it all. Let's, yeah. this is, listen, we're at the two-hour mark. It's KOTL after dark, baby. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, my trip started before I even got to Worlds, right? Like, I went to Dubai like eight days out. I mean, eight days before I even went to South Africa. So I was gone. I was gone from my place from Texas for like... 16 17 days holy shit yeah dubai was amazing and i think and i want to i wanted to make sure i talked about this on the podcast that i owe a lot to them because they they really took care of me you know i did a lot for their um, athletes and coaches and stuff they're offering courses and you know seminars and stuff like that um but you know they kind of were like hey we want you to come by and visit and uh spend some time here and you know get some good training in a like a leco facility uh, and it made my training, you know, really, really strong. So what was it there? They, who reached out to you? Who are these people? So uh, Desert Barbell, uh, who is the SBD UAE, so United Arab Emirates um, specific, uh, like distributor, and they have a gym there. Um, Lico, everything. Uh, the owners there, you know, have had Mike Tashir, um, Bryce Lewis, you know, a lot of that crowd. Um, come out and do seminars and workshops and, you know, teach, you know, courses um, to their coaches and the lifters there. Um, oh, wow. So that was why I, I went out there. So I did a, a couple workshops. I did like an actual two hour, two and a half hour presentation on coaching, you know, and powerlifting coaching. Shit. So that was very good. And that was like new for me. And I really wanted to get into doing some stuff like that for Nori, uh, team Nori coaching as well. Um, so that was very exciting. And that, that honestly helped me out so much, uh, being able to be in the closer time zone beforehand. Uh, but you know, being able to train with those people and go see the Burj Khalifa and, uh, the Dubai mall. And, you know, if you've ever heard of Dubai, Dubai is otherworldly in a sense. You were telling me how, um, yeah, you like a huge chunk of your travel was already done. 
So it helped in terms of acclimatization and, you know, time zone changes and you're already over there. So that was, that's a huge benefit. You don't know how much it would have helped now. Like it's impossible to say for sure, but it has to, when you make those travels, it's difficult, man. Well, because I I flew on the way back, I flew straight through, right? So I, I flew to Dubai. I flew to Dubai, had a two-hour layover, and then flew home. So it was an eight-hour flight, two and a half hours in the airport, and then a sixteen-hour flight home. Like, yeah, I felt like trash when I <laughs> yeah, got back. Man. Not not quite the same as when I got there. When I got to South Africa, I only had to do an eight-hour flight. So I went from Dubai to an eight-hour flight in the morning. And I got there at like 4 p.m., 5 p.m., and I was chilling that day, you know, slept in a nice you know, hotel room, you know, was in Sun City, and then I trained that next day, and it was good. So I don't know how much that really helped, but, you know, you've got to do those things because, you know, those details really do matter. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, anyone who was like, I told everybody, get there as soon as possible. I think the rule of thumb for every time zone over, like your body will take roughly a day to be 100%. Um, so if you're like several time zones over, like you could still make it, you could still make it happen. And if you're a top flight athlete, probably even less, but for the average person, you're not a hundred percent. If you were to do like run through all your baseline skills and whatnot, but, um, yeah, that's huge, man. And then your athletes, um, how did everything go? Obviously Joe Jordan had a rough day. Ooh, yeah, that, that was rough. Um, another thing too, is, you know, because of, the travel and all that type of thing, you don't even realize that your normal, you know, energy expenditure is up uh, because you're going so far, you're walking everywhere, you're traveling here, you know, you're not even really thinking about some of the food stuff. Um, and so he was, you know, on top of it, you know, we planned out that he would do, you know, the same um, setup for USVI and he was very meticulous with how he actually set that up. Um, so I wasn't worried about that, but I think what I ended up happening is because of all of the travel and stuff, Again, his energy expenditure was up much higher than what he was used to. So the calories that he was doing before where they would have been good enough for USVI when he was just at home doing nothing and then going to compete, um, that ended up being too low. And I think that his making weight was a little too easy in that mm. sense. If you guys know Joe, um, he's extremely lean. He's you know shredded. It's probably one of the most top level lifters in IPF. Um, veins in his adductors and yeah, it's crazy. You know, through his calves and everywhere. He looks like um, so, he's bodybuilding ready. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's and, and I've talked to a couple of people, it's, it's almost not good um, when you're that lean because, you know, if you are a little bit dehydrated, I mean, it's even more of an impact on you um, and the chance for cramping, all that kind of stuff. Luckily, he didn't have to deal with that. Um, but it was one of those things where like his, his squat was strong, um, kind of a little bit off where we anticipated it was, but it was like, he still could have squatted around 250, just misexecuted. Uh, the bench handoffs, dude, that was a that was a nightmare. The bench handoffs where people were just getting the bar dropped on them, and the commands. I, I know if you saw Eddie um, on his, like that was a nightmare. Um, everybody had a poor day in the 66s on bench. Uh, right. But Deadlift was Deadlift was strong. Like he just you know didn't execute with that 297, um, but he definitely made a lot of progress. Where his comp best was 280, um, he smoked that on a second. So. Um, yeah, it is one of those things that it's his first, you know, big, big meet. And it's like, okay, now, you know, now we learn, now we go forward and you have that experience to draw from. We got to be, you know, if we were 105%, now we got to be 125%. It's like he, I, I picked him to win. Um, mm -hmm. And he was, 
during, I wasn't sure if this is just how he carries himself or and maybe it is. He was like a Terminator, completely emotionless. Um, you know, when he's waiting in the wings to when he hit a successful lift or whatever. But then near the end, you weren't sure if he was more, not so much a Terminator, but maybe more just a little drained. Like it was kind of like, a, like he mm. wasn't like, it's not like you were like after you hit that third squat and you're like, oh, like, you know, and the crowd's like, oh shit with you. He was like a Terminator style. Like, but then I wasn't sure because you could tell the day wasn't unraveling the way he wanted. And sometimes then people wear it on their face. And I'm like, maybe that's what he's wearing. Maybe it's more just, he wasn't into it. He was like, yeah. he could feel, he could feel it. Like, this isn't going to be a good, day. you, you know, when you lift enough, sometimes you'll have a day where you're like, Oh fuck, this is, I don't feel great, but you'll do it. You'll do your job. And he did his job and he did, mm. he had some good lifts, but he just knew like, it's not that day. Yeah. And that was one of the things, I mean, you guys, you know, coaching athletes or whatever, when you're handling them on game day, you can tell the subtleties in their like tone of voice, you know, the way they're talking about something. And, you know, he was very confident going into it, even after weigh-ins. Um, and then as he went through squats, like I could tell, like when I would ask him like, hey, how are you feeling? He was a little bit hesitant. Um, and so like, okay, like I know like a little bit, not, not quite there. And then he described it as feeling drained. Um, and that is one of those things where it's like, yeah, you just got to deal with it on the on the day and take what you have. Um, and we try to take as much as we could, uh, but a little over on the squat, you know, bench was a nightmare, but um, deadlift was was strong, just not quite there. Even even that, like I had to tell him, hey, we're pulling for second. Like, you know, when I and when you tell someone like that that you're not, this is not for the win, and this is for you know second place. Even that is like rough. Right. And like going forward, I do not want to have to tell him that I'm telling him like it's for the win. And then we'll tell him after <laughs> second place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on like because even when I told him that, I knew like I, I told him that and I kind of looked away. Like, because like I knew he was going to be upset about it because like at that point, like I had to put what was best for him, you know, in terms of placing and, and putting in for a reasonable attempt. Um, whereas like it would have been like 310 to pull for the win or something, which is like, no, like that's not there. We're going to pull what you have. Um, and so like, Hey, you got to do what you got to do. You got to execute. And that was it. Isn't it tough where you, you like, it is that that's where some people are built. Like they, especially with everything that he had said going into it. And he was so confident. And sometimes like people like that uber confident, I remember you were uber confident and I just fucking was buying in. I was like, fuck Joe Jordan's going to open up a fucking something on Cause he's, he went dark with with his with his social media but he was posting but he would you know you're saying um oftentimes people don't show and if they don't show it's because they're hiding something thing is joe wasn't showing either remember he stopped showing the top heads but he was so confident that like um i you couldn't do the math on joe because he wasn't showing his top ends but the way you were talking to me about him and the way he was talking i was like oh man it's got to be big because and, um, in comparison, man, like comparison to the USVI prep and knowing what happened into that, like it was the exact same, except much stronger. And so it is one of those things where he did make progress. It was just the fact of like, hey, missing that squat, you know, the bench being off, like it really took a hit on the on the total. Um, but he he did make that much progress. And it was one of those things where he kind of wanted to share some stuff, kind of didn't. Uh, but, you know, pulling 300 in training, you know, squatting 240 for a triple, you know, benching 177 or something, you know, that's a big deal, but not on, you know, the new Alico bench, not, you know, at body weight with the travel, 
you know, the travel is that extra little multiplier on the end that could affect things a little bit more than you anticipate. So that was, I think, the biggest problem. And now, like, hey, you learn. Now we got to move on. And what was his, he was saying, um, I mean, he's a good kid, man. I remember um, Penta, he said it rubbed him the wrong way. And I was mm-hmm. like, Penta, yeah. man, I'm telling you, he's a good guy. Like, I had him on the podcast. And then afterwards, I think Penta was like, you know what? I think he's not a bad guy after all. I think they ended up talking after Worlds was all over. Like I told them. I, yeah. t- I remember telling Beta, I think on the same podcast, like, how you feel now won't be how you feel later on. And like, um, you know, but it's it's tough when people are like in in it, in the thick of it. You know, it's you don't see things the same. And then, um, holy fuck, talking about Pena, he ended up having a getting COVID, not knowing it. Mm-hmm. And like coming in with it, this dude could not, everything went wrong for this guy at the World Championships. And he gassed himself out on that one squat. But after the squat of it, it was like, what are we talking about here? Is Pena going to do this all the way through? <laughs> Ran out yeah. of gas. Like it's yeah. way harder to do. Uh, but did it roll out the way you thought it would be at the 66s? Like Eddie was obviously going to be a threat. So scouting for me, I like I told everybody this. I, I told so many people this. Two white lights. I listened to their their uh, podcast about it, and everybody's. And I was like, Eddie is the one to beat, man. Like I told everybody multiple times. Like the thing is, is we're looking at people's top end, right? And you, when you're scouting, you want to know what their top end is and what that total could really realistically be. Um, by all metrics and everything and training and everything I've seen, Eddie was the one that could could do that. Obviously, we didn't see a lot from him, but we knew what he did at the previous meet. We knew what his end range total, if he put together you know a big bench, um, he ended up finishing well under his best bench. Uh, but even still, he he nailed a good squat out of the, the big bench and then deadlifted enough um, that he was you know closer to the totals that were predicted than anybody else. So I was more worried about him. I knew Penna was kind of dealing with some stuff, obviously. Uh, it was it was super cool to watch from my perspective because I I follow like Ishima from Japan. I follow like um, Eddie and obviously Joe and seeing all that stuff as a fan as well. Uh, it was very, very interesting to see the battle unfold uh, with Penna watching his squats. Um, Penna told me even his last warm up was like RPE 10 on squat. Uh, and then he went out there for his opener and that was like RPE 10. And then his second attempt going up again, you know, in third attempt, each he went three for three on squat and each attempt was crazy. And yeah, I was so motivated. Like after watching that, I was like, no, holy shit. Like, I mean, this is like because I knew he was not strong. Like I, I was there, you know, in the training uh, hall with him days before and he was struggling like it was not good. And so I was helping him load plates because he was rushed for time. I loaded a lot of his lifts for him. And I was like, okay, like, we're good, you're good, you're good. And, you know, on game day, he showed up. Um, but yeah, kind of like you said, running out of gas by the end. But it was super um, motivating to see those grinds on squat, even experiencing or knowing he's not 100%. He's sick, he's hurt his back, he tweaked his back like a two weeks out or one week out. And knowing like all, all of this, it was brought a tear to my eye, man. Like, dude, trying, it was, trying to watch some of this. In commentary, I was like, it was so inspiring that the guy was like, he's got so much heart. He came by the commentary booth after the squats and he's like, what do you think about that? And I was like, (laughs) I was still on the air and I'm like, my man, I don't even have words for somebody like you. Like you, you were like next level 
god tier grind king where it's like mm-hmm. what he must have felt like injured he showed video of himself getting injured which fucking yeah. horrific like like this is no bullshit you could watch the point of him being injured and it's his back and the squat collapsed he collapsed under it and it's like i, I gotta repost that still on instagram i forgot about that but uh it's crazy to witness this you could pinpoint when he got injured and then he got covid full-on got covid uh, like that's fact um and you could see him empty the tank for that last squat. And it was crazy. And it was like, dude, who goes out on the shield like this? Like it's a, it was some pretty awe-inspiring thing. Like if you're going to lose, you might as well, that's how you pack it in. Um, and in terms of Eddie, yeah, that's 728 when he was 70 kilo. You knew his top end. It just was, his bench is so volatile. So you never know. And I've seen him, this always happens whenever he walks off the platform, he gets dizzy sometimes on bench and like, they got to start catching him or following him because he's done this before several times. This is what happens to him. And I saw it after like, I forget what bench it was. And I remember thinking, I don't know if he's going to have a good bench chair bad once that starts happening. Cause I saw him bomb out doing this. So it's such a weird with Eddie, he could like kill or he could like hit cause he's lost the penna on several occasions and penna is able to pull it out. It's difficult. His top end, though, uh, Penn has said on the podcast and in the warm-up room, he's like, I'm worried about Eddie. Mm-hmm. And uh, fucking uh, look at what Eddie did. Uh, another variable, like going back to like things that we don't know what's going on, you can't predict, is like I was talking to um, his team afterwards one time at like the food court mall, and they were talking about how like in previous years, Eddie wasn't putting like 100% effort going into Worlds. So like he'd go out into like, you know, his uh, – his like whatever lake house river like that and just like live you know off the grid and like barely train and nutrition this and that um leading into worlds versus this time they're like no he was on point with his training and with his nutrition to make the weight cut and everything like that and put more of an effort forward and so it ended up working out for him but like those are the things that you don't know what people are doing or what they're going through and that the other times when he lost, he wasn't even trying all. He wasn't going all out. And so now that when he actually tried and put full effort, he breaks the world record total and wins the world title. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I mean, he's, he's fucking, he's an interesting dude, isn't he? Mm-hmm. If you meet him and talk to him, did you meet he, him and talk? He was, yeah, he was so cool. Like, I, you know, I have this impression being American of coming in and meeting some people and thinking that they're like, oh, this American trash, like, that they they kind of like have a, a disdain for America, but some you know most everybody was super cool and like encouraging to me. Uh, I remember Gustav like you know after weigh-ins he, he gave me a banana because I was like asking if I had anybody had like extra like solid food to eat, and he gave me a banana and we were joking like oh no like it's a it's a bad banana or like a a shitty one like gonna poison me or something. <laughs> but he's he every all of them were so cool even even Eddie you know I don't think Eddie speaks that much English. Um, but you know, still, you know, it's very, very cool. Yeah. Like he knows a little bit of English. And the funny thing is like when they were all lining up to go out for the wards and stuff like that, he was talking to me a little bit and he had no idea what was going on. Like the coaches, Oscar and Carolina were just putting the temps in for him and not telling him anything. So he was asking me, he's like, so when did I win it? Did I win on the second deadlift? Did I win on a third deadlift? Like he had no idea what was going on. Yeah. He, fuck. Well, I mean, that's the way to be, I guess when I seen him back there. It's funny because like he's extremely nice guy. When I seen him back in the warm up room, he was like avoiding eye contact and like being like like a gamer. And I was like, "Fuck, Eddie's on right now." 
Like he's, when you see him, he's a super easy, approachable, likable kid. But that day I noticed he was like avoiding eye contact specifically because he didn't want to have to end up in a conversation because he wasn't in the mood for it. And I was like, fuck, don't often see Eddie like that. He was that day. You're right. Like this was just felt different with Eddie. Um, how about the rest of the competition, man? Uh, any other highlights for you in terms of like your athletes or what you've seen? Did you take in a lot of it? So, you know, I, I said that it, I processed it and, you know, it was so fast. Um, I really enjoy going in the crowd and like cheering and yelling and screaming and do all that kind of stuff and, and hyping people up and making sure, you know, like I enjoy the actual viewing experience, right? Because you know, all of the, the lifting there, the only people that are watching the meet is like direct family member that flew in or, you know, other people that are lifting. Um, and you, I don't like to stress myself out like emotionally and yelling and screaming before the meet because I, I think it does impact performance a little bit. Sure. But afterwards, you know, I watched the one of fives and that was super hype. You know, um, the Emil Norling and uh, Michael Davis, you know, Abdul Majid Suleiman, all, all of those uh are my friends like I, I like watching them lift periods so that was hype um the 120s and 120 plus i didn't see as much uh but i knew kind of what happened with jesus and not having the best day but still performing well enough obviously to win um the 120 i know um the algerian one and yeah ahead with lugo um yeah so that was you know, a battle as well uh, I, I, lo I watched a little bit of the, the women's. I didn't get to see everybody. I watched like Tiffany versus Heather. And that was that. dope. Yeah. Tiffany's and, a and, monster, man. Yeah. I mean, we were, I was talking to Penna about it and he was saying, because he wasn't there to coach, he, he couldn't really tell Tiff to, to pull back on deadlift or anything, because obviously you need to make sure you solidify the win and don't allow, you know, Tiff, I mean, uh, Heather to come up and, you know, pull for the win. But at the same time, right? Like now for Sheffield, like she has to go and outdo that total by X amount. Yeah. And you know, who knows what's gonna happen in between now and then. So we were talking about that, you know, the the other battles. I mean, there was so much going on, um, you know, watching between the men and women's. Uh, what did you think? What, what battles were your favorite outside of the ones we kind of talked about? Dude, I'm telling you right now. Okay, first off, Turbo Tiff, um, mm -hmm. her hitting was at 426.5 or whatever and mm -hmm. winning best lifter that's a star emerged right there man turbo tiff at like 21 years old is a fucking phenom like we all knew the french ladies were coming up but turbo tiff could have meddled i think she would have took silver in the in the 52s like and turbo turbo tiff's a monster man um no no amy Eliber obviously solidifying herself like a murderer's row in the 52s and um and pulling it out and becoming a double champion now she's like obviously by far the one to beat and becoming like a, a dominant force if turbo mm -hmm. tiff moves up fuck it, it's a battle of france all over again with uh shizuka rico who didn't have a great day but um was solid but coming out of france the 52s if turbo tiff moves up um we'll see what happens i think turbo tiff will stay at 47 a little while longer but she's getting bigger and bigger and now has to cut where previously yeah. she didn't it's a side effect of weightlifting, man. You get you pack on muscle. 57s, holy fuck. Joy oh. Namani versus Jed Jacob. Yeah. I look at on the podcast. The fellows were saying on training numbers, they thought Jed Jacob was going to be like around 480 range. And I was like, fuck. Like, I see the numbers, but I'm like, that just seems like a massive jump from February. Like from February, that seems massive. But like, 
I don't know, like how heavy is she in training versus because I see the numbers as well, but that just seems like a very ambitious percentage wise jump. So I'm like that. I think that's an overestimation. Not at fucking all. Apparently she almost beat Joy Namani. Joy Namani is like a two-time world champion 52s, two-time 57s, like an all-time great. And she had Jacob's 20-year-old kid who, who's the junior world champ, but a kid nonetheless. Like I say kid, like obviously she's in her 20s, but I mean like new to the sport-wise. Mm-hmm. And um, to push Joy Namani to the fucking brink, right to the very last deadlift, you're pulling for the win. And I'm I'm 20. Next year, wait till you get a load of me. Like, like France is coming, son. From 47 to 52, now 57. God knows 63. Talk about Leia in half a second. But like, France is coming, son. They just like, it is crazy. Every single weight class. Um, And the rest of the 57s, phenomenal, man. From 52s, 57s, it was was amazing. 63s, Leah Bavois, missing weight. She walks around at 66 kilos, she said. That's a three kilo drop. That's not big. But some apparently it was like a 16 hour cut trying to get that off of her. They just couldn't mm-hmm. for whatever it was. They couldn't get it off her. Pennant is, I'm going to have him on and uh, with Tiff and, and maybe even Leah. I'll try, I'll see how Leah's feeling about it. But um, we'll talk about it. But it was absolutely insane. They were cutting with her and uh, for like 16 hours, man, trying to get this weight off. And uh, it just wasn't coming off for whatever the fuck reason. I'll get more details when they come on and talk about it. But her not at the door swung open. Team France women's would have for sure won. And yeah. instead of those 12 points for them, 12 points for the US of A, sir. And yeah, that, it, that swung it, man. That, that swung, swung it. it. And Meg Scanlon in the comeback. Meg Scanlon, who lost the Maria T in 2019, is back in 2022. Like, holy shit. The epitome of show up and you never know what can happen. Show mm-hmm. up. Just show up and you never know what can happen from, you know, powerlifting America to here to now a world champion. Now she's like, holy shit. Like yeah. that happened. That's mine now. Um, what's going to happen with the fallout with Leah? Is she going to go 63? Is she going to go 69 now? Some people are like uh, talking like, well, the French Federation backer, if she wants to go 63, she's going to be forcing 69. It's one hiccup, but it happened at Worlds, not a local meet. But 66 kilo to 63 kilo should not be this big fucking hero cut. Like you could even drop half a kilo body weight if you want, maybe 65 and a half. Like how was that? Because she's not a for real 69 kilo lifter. She's so far off. I don't know. Yeah, I I think everybody like, so for context here, like I've had that happen to me before where I did like a local meet and I missed weight. Um, and I just never really talked about it. Like I just didn't go, I didn't do the meet. Um, and I think everybody needs that, you know, you don't want it to be, you know, a big meet, um, but you need to go through that and kind of when people are cutting weight, you're, I'm from what I understand and how I see a lot of this, you kind of have to be a little arrogant in terms of like, I can do it. Worst case scenario, I can make weight. You know, if you've heard Penna talk about it, like, oh, I'm only three kilos, four kilos over the morning of, that's fine. No big deal. I can do it. And so like you have to have that um, so that way you don't end up too far under and you hear a lot of people that are cutting weight, they overshoot it and they're like a kilo and a half under and they're like, oh, my performance is awful, that um, you have to be a little bit more uh, confident with it. Um, so I think it's it sucks for her because it's like a huge deal to miss weight and lose because of that, whether you otherwise would have won. Uh, but I know that when people have those situations happen to them, they come back even better. 
I mean, the tough part is this is a Sheffield year. Uh, yeah. It throws a monkey wrench into like, um, you know, it, it's not over, but, but like there's, there's other possible qualifications, there's wild cards, but there's other people who you didn't expect would need a wild card like Jesus. And like, um, you know, if Jesus needs a wild card, does Ray need a wild card? Is that still going to happen? Or are we like too many wild cards deep into 120 plus? Yeah. It's it just like, there's questions now, you know, and, and you're talking to people from SBD at the event. And it's like, by the time that we get to the last day, everyone's like, we just got to wait and see how this plays out. What we thought leading in and what we think leading out, this, this showed you how like, we, we 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 don't know and we need to like step back and have team meetings like spd does it needs to like be like well what are we looking at and then you have certain rematches that you know people would love like who wouldn't want to see the rematch between jessica bittner and, and agatha shitsko mm -hmm. everybody would want to see that rematch it's one of the best showdowns we've ever seen who wants to see the rematch between you and jonathan keiko but then emil took yeah. but on the flip side yeah. Uh, like a mill it's it's a discussion now so a mill took silver mm -hmm. but keiko wasn't pulling for silver was he so right. what if keiko's like let me pull for silver so that i can make an argument for sheffield but keiko's the world champion who's pulling for gold so it's mm -hmm. like do you penalize so if you're looking as a fan what's yeah. fair do you like one guy pulled for silver one guy pulled for gold or i can't remember if he pulled for silver. i think Anyways, I, I mean, you know, I want to say, yeah, of course, like I want to say being in that position where you're never the number one guy, like it would feel awful to be in a mill situation and, you know, not be sponsored, you know, have this long road to, you know, get to that second position and everybody overlooked you and you sneak in there. Um, and then you take, you know, someone that plays third and you beat them head to head. That would be so unfair, right? Like, you know, he's unsponsored yet. SBD is the sponsor for you know, Kaiko, I mean, they have to kind of weigh some stuff like that out. Um, obviously, they want to see the rematch. Obviously, you want to get into you know, the head to head matchups, but you all also have uh, Amar Kamane or something like that from yeah. uh, Algeria um, or not Algeria. Was he Algeria? Yeah, uh, is it Algerian. Yeah. So he, he got a wild card spot, right? So like, are you going to justify getting a mill and having three and then Kaiko having the fourth wild, you know, four ninety threes? Maybe. I mean, it's that competitive of a division that you could justify it. But at the same time, like, you know, now what? You're not going to take Ray or you're not going to take Jesus. Right. Because we have these other wildcard spots, right? Um, you know, one thing I wanted to point out was because of the regions situation, I think Tim Monogatti was almost, you know, guaranteed one. Uh, but now, he, I mean, he plays fifth, right? So, like, are they going to still take him as a wildcard spot? You know, instead of taking... He didn't right. hit the minimum. He didn't hit the minimum total, so like he right. wouldn't get it off ah. of that second second thing. That's what mm -hmm. that final pull was to get that 800 kilo total he needed to get in. Because uh, I was wondering when when they loaded up that final pull on the air, I was like, that's not going to get him a particular placing. Like it's more than he needs for the for the placing that he would be going for next. So I was like, right. I'm not sure where that pull's coming from. Then Pete messaged me and was like that would have been his uh sheffield pull so he he had conceded the win but could still make sheffield fucking miss that in a terrible day uh but yeah so i don't know man it, it's it's uh i don't know how they're gonna do it there's somebody like well and, and they want it to be successful they want it to be as big as possible and people to tune in so that means riveting showdowns and rematches and um 
it's the, it's the showdowns and, and I guess also like the world records because like the overall is based on the total and they're doing prize money for an individual. So like if Tim had got in through a regional, like, okay, Tim got through a regional, we got Tim versus Delaney. But now that Tim's not in and Tim and Delaney aren't close to any of the individual records or the, or the total compared to like a Keiko or an Emil or a Jesus or like that. Now you're like, okay, well, do we play these other storylines? Do we bring in these other people that can break world records or do we rematch the 93s or do we rematch the 105s, something like that? Mm-hmm. It's, um, I don't know, buddy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm super duper interested because they want this thing to be the biggest possible. And for that to happen, you want the you want the matches like like as hype as everyone is for the 76s 93s you got to think in for what the show you guys put on that session you got to think they're thinking like if they read if they could redo some of that magic i'm telling you that was the best session I ever did in my life yeah <laughs> i mean just it is weird though because right like what if the roles were reversed and it was like kaiko first you know emil second and then i was third right like i would probably assume that i would not make it in you know I, I would assume that as well. <laughs> here's the difference. Here's the difference, though. Um, it, it's it, that's just order of, but Keiko will have beaten you now several times, whereas Keiko has beaten everybody else several times. Is a world champion, world record breaker, and like history matters, right? Like like right. If Muhammad Ali lost a fight. You can't just be like, well, now we're going to shuffle them out. Like, no, that's Ali though. Like yeah. the body of work definitely matters. Whereas, so when, you, when you're putting together a monster event full of all-stars, you'd be like, look, Keiko pulled for the win, but he was the defending world champion. He's defeated all these guys and, um, and he was pulling for the win. And we respect that. And like, in terms of, there's more to it. There's more to it yeah. than just ABC. I, but I get your point where Emil fucking i love a when i was yeah. in sweden we just straight up hung out me and mill and his girlfriend and like um i talked to him in dms so i know what you mean like like i don't um i i get it i get it i don't know what they're gonna do but i also know if i was a promoter i'm looking at like i'm looking at like showdowns and stuff Fuck, it's dumb. yeah I, i'm just saying that like it's you're right like kaiko still deserves to, to go i also just say that like Emil being in this position, especially for him, where he is unsponsored, he doesn't have a lot of these other options that a lot of the top level lifters have. It, I would feel slighted. Yeah, and this is where maybe it could be like, um, like first off, they they might be looking at sponsoring him now. I, after Worlds mm-hmm. is when some people are like, let's talk about sponsoring some of these people. So maybe he will right. be getting sponsored down the road or whatever, right? Um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that because he's he's a talent, man. He's for mm. sure a talent. Now he's proven it for sure, with it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, man. In the 66s, like what would you want to replicate? Do you think if you had to like think about head-to-head matchups? Yeah, I mean, there's not other many other options, right? It, it just depends on like you know if they want to do the Ray Williams storyline of him returning. Um, and then getting Jesus, that means you have to take two wildcard spots there. Um, you know, you're not taking any three wildcard. You're not, you'd have to take, would you have to take a 105? Would you take another one outside of Emil? Let me ask you something then, because you make a very good point. If it takes up two wildcards to do 120 pluses, do you even mm-hmm. take either of them now? Or are you like, <laughs> do we cut? Now, here's the thing. If you cut that, um, no, do you have the super heavyweight champion of the world? Would you not bring the super heavyweight champion of the world when it's a possibility? I don't think you do. Myself, I think you bring him. Right. No matter what. Yeah. 
I, I think like if if they can get Ray to do a meet and put up a total, then they can do Jesus and Ray, and then you still have three spots. So you could do a Keiko and let's say Mikey and Enrique and be able to rematch the 105s and 120s. If he can't get Ray to do a meet, it becomes risky because, you know, he bombs out at Worlds and then he pulls out of Nationals uh, due to injury. Do you invite him to Sheffield? What if he doesn't make it and then you have an empty spot? How do you fill in that spot if it's too short notice, this and that? Um, he got COVID going into one meet as well. So then it's like, okay, maybe you bring Jesus. Now you have four spots. So now you could do a Keiko, a Mikey, and Enrique, and then maybe also be like, okay, let's sponsor Emil and bring him in too and have three 93s going at it or, or four 93s going at it. So I think there's <laughs> yeah. potential. I think there's potential where you would bring in like those guys over um, like another 66 because like 66, you already have Eddie and you already have Kyoto. For 74s, you already got Taylor. Like there's no one else close to him. For 83s, Tim disappointed. So it's like, do you – fit Tim in, I think he's going to be low on the order. Uh, like if of all the guys that I'm confident could put on a show without competition there with them, Jesus will can like, look at, look at PA Nats, mm -hmm. PA Nats, Jesus stole that show from so many people. Um, and he was uh, unopposed essentially and fucking put on, like everyone was talking about him. Uh, Nori. Remember Nori posted in his story saying, for the rest of the year, uh, that that performance is going to be capped off. That's 2022 is his already. And 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 he was essentially lifting on the post. Jesus, you bring him into Sheffield, he doesn't need an opposition. Like, if you don't have Ray, what's the point? No, 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 no. I, I, yeah, think, I think you want to be able to say the heaviest total of all time in the IPF was done at Sheffield. doesn't matter if Ray's there or not. You're 100%. That's right. You're 100% right. End of the day for fucking sure make history made and you bring in the biggest baddest fucking dude in in the apex predator of the ipf and, how do you and, leave him off and and on the women's side bonica broke her world record toll in that third deadlift before they overturned it so she's right there so you can literally have the biggest women's total and men's total at sheffield on top of all the world records everything else going it's tough i think the 93 has got to be redone but you do need some head-to-head matchups I want my more head to head, not just the calculator. I mean, it's an or well, it's not a calculator. It's well, it, you need a calculator, but it's not a formula. It's the world records. But I want some I head to head. I don't get the the regional slots where they're like you, you know you have to have an Asian one, you have to have an Af like a Northern African, I guess, or something, and then there's the one New Zealander or something. It, it's just weird how those fit in, and then it is also like, okay, now we have to pick the extra people where I don't necessarily know if there's criteria that they listed out for that. It's literally just, hey, we like you, we're gonna pick you, you know. The, it, there was I, I read it on the air, but now I don't have them in front of me. Fucking Pete had it, but um, they wanted like obviously the world champions. Then they wanted um representative over regions, and then they just had some wild cards, uh for essentially for their athletes because it's their their promotion right so yeah they were going to do like qualifying so everybody in the world can qualify their athlete or not whatever the shit where you're from you win winning solves everything i remember talking to jess and i was like jess um uh, we, we were going through it this is like a whatever a couple of weeks before and i remember saying like going through the different qualifications and how she might make it and i'm like but i'm telling you Winning solves everything. You win, it don't matter if you're an SBD athlete, don't matter what region you're from, it don't matter a fucking thing. Winning solves everything. 
I just wonder if they're going to let me wear my stoic or are they going to put me in SBD it, only? It's an yeah, IPF meet. You, you can you can wear whatever you want. And as far as the uh, underrepresented regions, I wonder if I, I don't know if Pete ever mentioned that. I wonder if it's like an IPF thing. Maybe like the IPF didn't want it to just be all like US, Canada and Europe. And they're mm-hmm. like, hey, we have all these other regions try and bring lifters. And so they said, OK, you know, this year, as long as you're close enough to the world record, we'll bring you. Um, it, it, it sucks because previously they had like Anna Castellane from South America as well, who is a world champion or anything like that. Um, this time, you know, they have like no one, I think, from South America. They got a couple of people from Africa. They got one person from Oceania, one person from Asia. Uh, but I guess that's enough. And then the rest, yeah, they can just fill up with whoever they want because at that point it's their meat. Mm-hmm. I'm interested, dude. Yeah. The, the only thing now, I guess, in storylines after this is with powerlifting American Nationals and when that ends up being – uh, because if it's around the same time it was and they don't move it, I mean, that's definitely a big conflict there because Sheffield's March 23rd or 24th or something like that. Um, and it ends up being like so close that we're kind of screwed for all the people that go to Sheffield, you know? Yeah. And I don't think it'll be the exact same. I think they are moving it forward in the air, aren't they, Arian? Or is that not official? Uh, nothing's official yet. I mean, we have the... Um sub junior junior masters nationals this weekend and also the annual meeting so maybe at the annual meeting they'll give us information um but all i've heard so far is rumors of whether it's going to be february march or april Mm -hmm. because doing doing that and trying to win that again or trying to win that period i I didn't win last time and you know getting a spot still for worlds um puts a lot of pressure on you know all these different meets to try to do and still make a team so we'll see and and obviously brendan petrie being um, pretty open about he, he's not 100%, but he's pretty opening about coming over. That's adding another fucking killer shooter to the like Keiko, Petrie, yourself. Um, Gavin, if he moves over, Gavin, if he moves over, and, and he might, uh, you know, eventually move over. That's just crazy. That's- yeah, De- definitely something to have to figure out as far as like, um, yeah which meets count and, and if Sheffield counts too, if not just aside from chances position, if anyone else's position, like what if they choose to go to a higher weight class, can they still qualify? Like, let's say some, something like, like Leah, if Leah wants to compete 69 at Sheffield. Does she still qualify as a 63 for France? Like, will they give her some kind of leniency on body weight? So different things that powerlifting America and these other countries have to figure out because pretty much everyone's nationals are, are in the first half of the year before worlds. And then Sheffield happens to take the spot. That's going to take a lot of our best lifters. Mm-hmm. Um, may, maybe in the future, there's some changes in schedule. I know the IPF worlds is always switching their schedule. Um, you know, some of the nationals get moved around. Maybe Sheffield gets moved around to where you have like a season, like a, like just like the pro series, you have like the IPF season of like nationals and then worlds and Sheffield. And then it's kind of spaced out. I would not be shocked if all that happens. So then maybe this will be just a one-time thing. I would like to also see that for Powerlifting America, they end up doing a uh, system of like, not just, hey, you hit this minimum total, uh, but like basically whoever has the highest points at the end, you know, top, you know, numbers actually get a spot instead of just winning um, because of how it actually worked last year is that there was so some classes that were so few uh, that ended up, you know, just like making it so that it's not really head-to-head matchups. Um, you just get the top lifters in as the team members. You know, I, I know there's a lot of other countries that do that as well, but USA has you know, traditionally been you win nationals, you go. Right. Yeah, they're they're going to start. I think 
there's a lot of pointers coming off of this first year. A lot of things unfolded where people yeah. are like, okay, well, this happened. And you know, we got, we got a lot of discussion on it. So we can maybe make some adjustments. It'll be interesting, man. I was gonna say it'd be interesting for the 59s. If, um, if they keep the minimum total, I don't know off the top of my head, if the minimum total will go up or down because Fedosienko didn't compete and then Franklin Leon didn't show up. So again, the totals for 59 are a little bit low. So it may be easy for a 59 to make the team again. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it just depends on how they decide to do it, you know? Well, we got a new 59 coming over to the PA Nats though, and he's a shooter. Um, that's that. That's the thing. If he comes over too, his total was above what would have won Worlds this year. Um, but we don't know, obviously, if Fedoshenko is going to come back next year or not. Oh. Yeah, we'll yeah. have to see. Hopefully, hopefully the Russians, are, if Russia's back and Ukraine's back, Man, we got some mm. it's a whole nother situation altogether. So what are you what are your goals now, chance man? Looking you got like world championship already in the bank, Sheffield. Like, do you are you are you feeling hungry? Are you seeing an end game? Are you like I'm gonna do this year after year now? Now that you've realized your dream, or like what are you like? Cause it's difficult for some people, it's like I'm gonna build a dynasty, mm-hmm. but you're always gonna be the dog fight for here on out. Like, this is right. just the way the 93s are gonna be. Yeah, that is the thing. I mean, I talked to Mike Tashir. He asked me the same thing. He's like, dude, what do you do now? Like, this is, you know, you uh, you, yeah. you got it, you know. Um, it is one of those things where, like, I am more motivated to, you know, push powerlifting even further than where I was before. Like, you know, I felt like maybe it would be like, okay, this is the end game. And now it's kind of over and kind of we're like, all right, well, I did everything I could. It's like, no, like, this is, like, I finally feel like I've established some momentum and I can get momentum in my lifts again. Um, bench is especially something that I'm really focused on. Cause if I, if I bench like 205, 210, shit, that's a wrap. Yeah, you know, yeah. that, I mean, that's a, that's a big deal if I can work on that. Um, so that's one thing Sheffield, you know, accomplishing something big there. I do want to do more international meets, um, and do something in some like Asian country. That'd be great. Um, you know, and, and more of those international invitational type stuff. Um, but you know, I, I want to, I want to go to worlds again, man. Like that was just to. I, I don't know how to contextualize this for people. It is different. It is so different. If you've never done something like this, you can't compare. You can't compare anything to, to this in terms of experience, in terms of what it means to meet all these people, to have these you know discussions like we were talking about, Ryan, of like, you're just down up for breakfast and you're you know having breakfast with the Japan team or and you're talking to Penna about whatever. It's like, you're never gonna have these experiences domestically. Like you will yeah. never run into these same situations. It's such a eye-opening experience in terms of different cultures. If you've never traveled into stuff like that, you know, I have no experience, you know, going overseas until this trip for me. Um, I've never done anything like that. I've never met any, you know, crazy different people in terms of cultures and stuff like that. It's always been here. And um, it, again, it was very eye-opening for me. And, I was and gonna, go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say, as far as, uh, we, we interviewed uh, Russ yesterday and he was saying like his first world title was the most important or first national title. And then the fourth national title was most important for him just because of the battle against uh, Sean going in. But I, I thought he was going to say the second one because like that's probably where you're in now. It's like you win the first one that's the most important. Now it's like defending your title and showing it's not a fluke. I can win again and prove myself mm-hmm. like that's like the drive now is like getting that second one to show like it, it's legit. Like, do you yeah. feel like you got a battle for you're still fighting for respect and like, or how do you feel right now? Cause you're in a murderer's robe all over again. 
Yeah, I mean, like I told you, you know, I felt like, you know, I finally won. I finally did this. I finally accomplished it. And I feel like, wow, I've 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 made it for myself. I have shown that I'm not, you know, this imposter, essentially, like I am this top level lifter. Um, but I know there's a lot of people that don't feel like that. And again, it's not proving them wrong. It's proving the people, you know, that support me. Right. Uh, but it is so difficult to win, right? Where, you know, like Keiko goes nine for nine, nine for nine, nine for nine, nine for nine, finally doesn't go nine for nine one time and loses. You know, it is so difficult to win. And especially if more people decide to come over here, they decide to, you know, throw away all the USA powerlifting stuff and, you know, commit to IPF. Um, that is a, a big thing. So I will have to get better. Like that is a goal for me is to bench you know, mid two, 200s or whatever it is um and you know push that up i'm not here to just roll over that's it man yeah for sure that's the biggest is if you're going out you're going out like Keiko pulling for the win you know what i mean or, or like penner or whatever you want you empty the tank you came too far and your weight class is not going to get it's 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 you you're not going to get an easy day in your weight class but this is your weight class is always going to be the heat weight class everyone wants to see now and it's only going to get deeper um so is it like, is it a little bit draining though to go through everything you did and is within a week you're now hearing, let's fucking add more people and make it even deeper and go all over again. And you're like, God damn man. Like, is it daunting or, or how does it feel? Cause I want to give respect to people and, you know, give them credit and not take credit away from people. Um, you know, when, you know, other lifters are competing in other federations and they're doing X numbers. You know, that is one thing, and it is another thing to just, like, give up all, on all that, decide to come over, decide to do an international meet, win, you know, like, that's a whole different thing. Um, and so, like, you know, some people can accomplish whatever, and they can win, and so can other people. Other people can win. Um, I want to see that both. I, I don't, again, I want to give them credit where credit's due, but also at the same time, you can't say, oh, yeah, I could have beaten Kaiko if I did blah, 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 blah. It's like... Okay, you actually have to go there and do it, even if it is, you know, a, a South Africa trip or whatever it is. Like, that's part of it. You have to do that. Uh, so that is big for me. We'll see how it goes uh, with all the other weight classes, especially, the, you know, the 83s, I think, um, with, you know, maybe Russell comes over. Did, did he say anything like that? He said he's, it was surprising because he was like, mm, he okay. threw it out there himself. He's like, but maybe I come back. And we're yeah. like, I was like, Russ, what are you saying, dog? And then he's like, um, at the end of the year, I got to, I, I think this is going to be end of every year. He's like, I got to reevaluate and keep reevaluating because things are always changing. Obviously it's true. And um, I think this is the climate we're in Yeah. where, you know what I mean? I think people see the differences and they're like, shit, maybe I made a mistake. <laughs> I, I think it's like different goals as well. Like, yeah. Um, like maybe he saw, you know, USAPL nationals and the pro series and that kind of stuff. He's like, I can do this. I can promote my brand as well. And he want to, he said he wants to do a bodybuilding show this year too. So he's going to be cutting down weight and things like that. But then he's like, yeah, I'm going to reevaluate after I do the bodybuilding show, after I run my corrupted strength meet and after nationals. And then he, uh, maybe to make the change next year, he was asking about Sheffield too. So maybe he wants to see like how big Sheffield's going to be. If it's crazy, he switches over. Maybe if it's not crazy, he stays in USAPL. We'll see. Cause the thing is, is like, once you switch, like, cause he was us, he was USAPL. Then he switched to USVI. Then he went to USAPL. Can he switch again to powerlifting America and then come back to USA? Like, how does this all work? Because I know there are like suspensions and stuff like that for 
doing whatever other meat. And we're kind of in these untested waters, so we don't really know what's going to go on. So it is like a big commitment if you decide to do that, you know? It'll be difficult going back and forth repeatedly. Um, I mean, there definitely is... He Like, he's young enough, he could definitely come... He could make the switch. If he's suspended, I wonder if... I'd have to double check into it if it's going to be international or just period, if it's just mm-hmm. international. Um, I, I, it, I don't think it's happened to someone yet that we know. Aaron, do you have more info on that? I mean, yeah, if they, if they apply the rule, then yeah, because he did USVI once he goes back, then, then he did nationals. He's ineligible. Um, but yeah, it depends on like, one, is there going to be qualifying tolls for nationals? Does he have to like do like a local meet first or can he just hop into nationals? Um, and then, yeah, can he compete at the national level while he's ineligible, but then he would be eligible by the time Worlds comes around? So those are like the things they have to figure out. And uh, and maybe he needs to figure out as well and say, okay, maybe I won't do these meets to have that 12-month period where the eligibility um, comes back. That's just it. His timing will be key when you figure that out. You could time it, you know, but we'll have yeah. to see. I, I want to also put it bluntly here because a lot of people criticized me, Kaiko, Gavin, and everybody else that decided to stay, like USA lifters, to stay with the IPF affiliate. And they were like dogging on us hard for deciding to do that. Who was doing um, that? Why the fuck would they dog you? You weren't, you didn't see that? Like, even like Gavin has this huge deal with uh, like Angelo and, and the two ice lights people because they're like, oh, you, you're a traitor to your federation and like to your, your, your country and stuff like that because you went to USBI. You didn't Holy see that? Shit. Okay, wait a second. Uh, Where did they, this was on social media? No, they on publicly on their podcast on like just saying it to everybody. Like, am I wrong here, Aaron? Didn't you hear this stuff? No, I was hearing it too, especially with the whole USVI thing. They were like calling Dave Ricks and other people a traitor. And it's like, <laughs> it, it's it's part of the USA, first of all. And right. second of all, that's like, that was their only option at the time to get to Worlds and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And then some of them will switch over now to Pop Team America. But yeah, there were definitely people who were saying that. I mean, I tell people it's like, a, it's a nasty divorce. Like the your mom wants you to stay and be friends with, with, with her and not hang out with dad and dad wants you to stay with him. So, and I, so but, but, but even with powerlifting America, people were saying that about me and like, Oh, like he won't like who is saying APL. everybody, man. Like I, I don't like, and, and so this is why I'm saying a lot of this stuff because it's like, you don't get to do that too. Like you don't get to like talk shit about me and like other people for staying in the IPF. And then like, oh, well, we realized we were wrong and we're going to go to powerlifting America now. The thing is, isn't that like, I? so I didn't get all of this. I'm a little late to the game. (laughs) I didn't know like that the word traitor was being used, which is a little, (laughs) a little heavy. That's a little heavy. Um, Because are you going to keep that same energy when you see Russ? Because Russ jumped the USVI and then he jumped back. Like, are you going to keep that same energy when you see these people face to face? You're going to toss around the T word like that. That's harsh. Or, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I didn't know it was that harsh. But, but, but um, even with like two white lights, man, like two white lights there, they were not, you know, not much on the IPF side. And a lot of it was like, oh, the drug testing stuff about there's so much like back and forth, like like banter almost, but a little more aggressive banter about it that it's like, okay, like, all right, we'll, we'll see what happens when everybody starts flooding over to powerlifting America. Here's the thing. If you go too hard, um, if you go too hard in one side, like aggressive, you start getting aggressive. Um, yeah. 
Like it's one thing to have like it's one thing to have a position. It's another thing to go into attack mode and get a little too aggressive. Mm-hmm. You paint yourself in a bit of a corner in the future. Sometimes when you do these things, right. when this when the tides change, people don't forget, and you're like, "Fuck, man!" Like, um, you know, you're gonna end up like. I, I didn't hear all this and I, I don't know exactly what it said. So I'm not going to speak on it word for word here, but if it was like you're a trader, if you want USVI, it'll be difficult to see Jesus Oliveira's I minute. Mean, do you want to do a podcast now? It's like, my man, it, like, unless like, I don't know if it, if it was, but maybe it wasn't, you know, oh, I said it tongue in cheek and I don't actually mean for really real like that. That's fine too. Like I get it. Like I'll, you know, sometimes you do it banter fucking around with the fellas. You don't actually mean, dude, I don't actually think you're a traitor. I'm just fucking around or, or, or maybe it wasn't, I'm not sticking up for them saying it wasn't. Cause I literally don't know. I didn't know this. So maybe it was. And if you're one of the people who felt attacked, you might be like, nah, bro, I was a man on an Island getting attacked and it wasn't fun. And uh, so when, 2023 rolls around if some of these same cats are like i think i'm coming over or you know or affiliating or affiliating in certain ways it'd be like "Ah, you made it uncomfortable for me for a little while there i don't know like i don't know no i don't it's it's cool i just don't want i want them to admit that they were wrong and that we made the right decision Well, as long weird. as they can do that, I'm like, it's cool, bro. Like, come on, come on, join the club. Join the club. <laughs> it, we're going back to the eating crow situation that I had to do earlier, where it's like sometimes you do uh, gotta be like, all right, fuck it. I don't know. I I wasn't totally aware of all of that, but it is like um, what people gotta understand. Like for for a Gavin instance, when he, he when he wanted to realize his dream to go to Worlds, all these guys, Russ, Jesus, Amanda, Kaiko. All of yeah. these guys, when you they left and went USVI. So now, um, you know, I thought I saw a post Keiko that Angelo said Keiko is his favorite lifter. So I, I, it would seem weird that he was calling him traitors, but then he's his favorite lifter. So I don't know. But it's, well, remember, I, remember when Powerlifting America started, and you know, there's those pages pretending to be the the actual Powerlifting America account. Yeah. And everybody was trashing Powerlifting America, this joke federation, it's not even real. What are the drug testing? And it was this, because USAPL was waging their propaganda war against Powerlifting right. America and IPF yes. anyways. They were going so hard that everybody joined in. And like, I didn't, like, I was just like, oh, okay, like, I mean, I'm joining that affiliate. So I'm like, I don't care what you guys are saying about them, but they were trashing Powerlifting America and all of USAPL was very much on that side. It was 10% going over to Powerlifting America. Right, right, and, right. You know, even then people are like, oh really? You're gonna do Powerlifting America? It's kind of yikes. Shit like, shit like that, the whole whole start of it. it so, I'm cool, I'm cool. You guys, you guys completely, come on, it's fine. <laughs> but, but you have to admit you have to admit that you're wrong well it's a thing tides change like in terms of what i had noticed as years go by tides change so fucking much where it's mm-hmm. just like hang tight and sometimes exactly what you did hang tight let let people get get it off their chest you could stay silent but and yeah. sometimes it's the best way to be if you get too defensive um you end up doing the same thing saying things right. where you end up regretting if you just hang tight um and stay consistent and not overly aggressive because you see tides change all the fucking time and um and sometimes things come back around and you're like man 
You know, like people were like, you never thought Sheffield was going to end up being here. And now it's here. And like a lot of people were like, man, fuck Sheffield will never happen. It's this, it's that, it's whatever. Well, we're here now though. You know, <laughs> we're here now though. Mm-hmm. And like things happen, like, um, it's, it's a tough, it's, it's dicey, man. It's dicey. I'm glad I buy policy for myself, the way I conduct myself. I try my hardest to never get pulled into like social media bullshit, because even if you're defending, you're acknowledging, and then you get pulled into some shit that you didn't want to. And people will twist your words and make a story out of some shit. That's not a story. And you're like, that wasn't what I meant. But if you say it to enough people and that's what they want, that's what it'll be. And then it's like, how did this happen? And then you double back and be like, I might as well have not have just replied and just kept skating. You know what I mean? Like this is sometimes that's the way to go, man. And things work out, you know, things work out. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. It'll be interesting. 2023, huh? Or if or if worlds comes to the U S yeah, we'll see. Oh oh, yeah. 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 Well, Sheffield, Malta, then where is the next bid? Do we even know where the next one could it, like, be? It, Malta is 2023, but at some point, you know, the U.S. is going to get relatively soon. Mm-hmm. When that happens, it's going to end with Sheffield and everything. Yeah. They, they might get one of the other ones. I guess the, the downside to the open ones that are on Eurosport and you bring Viva TV and you bring Ryan into this, it's like the expenses are just going up and up. And so it's harder and harder for a meat director to be able to host it and not lose money. Dog, you should see my fucking rider. It's insane. I want fucking a, a, tr- a trailer. Okay. I want a fucking, <laughs> I want hotbed champagne. I want fucking, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. Right now for 2024, it's showing is open. So no one's put a bid in. US could still take it. Here's the thing. Malta came with an, an amazing, like uh, some people can come with government backing and it's fucking phenomenal. Like they, they ex- the expectation of a world championship is so high. If someone comes in and it's like, this is what I bring to the table and the, and the government's backing, they can now have amazing facilities. You know what I mean? Cause the government will be like at like at a fraction of the price. Um, and then, you know, they could take a bid, they could take it and it's, it, they're yeah. going to win it. And it's, I mean, the, I mean, the other thing they can do too is like, USAPL used to always be the meet director, individual meet director like me runs the nationals and you either make whatever money or lose whatever money. And then USAPL started taking over and running it themselves and eating up the money or making money off it. So maybe if the IPF is bringing enough money in and is getting like, you know, countries or cities to sponsor these events for tourism is maybe the IPF starts running some of these and say, hey, listen, why should we wait for a meet director to tell us where we go? We want to go to this specific country, this specific city. We'll just host it there ourselves. It's possible. But taking on a global event is a fucking nightmare. Um, like a nightmare. I, like, I mean, some of the stuff the IPF already does, because like the already Hani Smith, the guy who hosted Worlds this year, he already does all the referee assignments. Um, Gaston is already the championship secretary. They already bring in like, you know, referees and the EC and stuff like that. They already bring in Viva TV and uh, uh, live stream commentators, announcers. So they're already in charge of all this stuff. So then, then they would just need like an on the grounds person as far as the venue and the equipment. I can't imagine, dude. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming this is how other sports do it. Like for Olympic weightlifting, it's not. I'm assuming it's not a, a meet director. It's the it's the International Weightlifting Federation picks where they want to do it, and uh, they make it happen. I don't know, man. We'll see. But anyways, listen. 
where are we at? We have three hours now. <laughs> yeah. We talked a little bit. We had a pee yeah. break in there. We had a yeah. pee break in there, but we are floating around three hours. Um, cool. Dude, I appreciate you, dude. I am fucking mad proud about everything you accomplished. Um, and it's like a good inspirational story for like any power lifter who's listening to this, like keep fucking working. Your caption was amazing on your post. And um, like you got to keep belting out content. And I'm going to see you in Sheffield. And God knows if I'll see you somewhere else before then, dude. Um, at PA, maybe if you're a PA, that's even if you don't have to compete and if you're just there. Keep in contact, man. We got to yeah. keep doing this. But uh, let us know. Keep us all on all the updates on what you're doing. Much appreciated, you, sir. You got, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa what? You got, you got to let the man shout out his coaching and his sponsor. I was about to oh, say yeah. that. Yeah, I was yeah, about yeah. to okay. say that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> with with all the the new uh, you know spotlight and the new sponsors and everything, I have to remember to do that because um, they made it you know possible for all this. So stoic, uh, everything. You guys have been amazing. Uh, virus, um, notorious lifts, uh, PR breaker, pre workout, uh, and so even desert barbell. You guys you know, helped me out so much for worlds. So I just want to thank everybody for that. I have my own podcast. Uh, we have two podcasts. I have the Team Nori High Bar podcast, and then I have my own. Um, that it's just been, it's mine's the Meta Powerlifting podcast. Uh, so if you want to listen to that, catch me on Instagram at Chance Mitchell Meta. And I think that's basically it. If you need coaching, uh, teamnori.com slash Chance Mitchell uh, and find my services there. I think that's, that's it. it. That's it, man. And, uh, and yeah, fuck. I'll, hats off to you again, dude. Uh, I'll see you again. And we'll fucking, if, if you're not lifting, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll rip it up. We'll do our damn thing. Cause Texas was fun. PA Nats was fun, man. So even if you show up just to hang out because you're not lifting or whatever, if yeah. I'm coming in, if I'm coming down in your area, I'll, I'll be dropping you a line. My man, uber proud until next time, six pack yeah. Labinette, six up and we are out.